everybody out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In. The show that goes all in on all the details, characters, places, things that are going on in that galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow Star Wars historian, Ross. Oh, Mac, it has been a long year. You can feel it. Oh, boy, a lot has happened. Now it's like hibernation season, like it's... Mm -hmm. It, you know, we have been through a lot. We have recorded a lot of episodes. It feels weird to be here at the end of a, another year of Star Wars All In. Oh, man. Well, and to be honest, kind of crazy. Our first full year of Star Wars. We were two produced an episode. Some episodes are, are, you know, like apologies. But in general, we produced an episode every week this year. Every single week. Sometimes more than one. Season two is at least 50% longer than season one. At least. At wow. Jam-packed with content. <laughs> 53 <laughs> episodes this year. Well, and I'm oh, very excited because we're going to go into the next year with the, the, hopefully, we won't have global pandemics and it'll be pretty easy to get that done as well. Yeah, I hope things will be a little bit more back to normal for us next year. We'll have some guests on again. Uh, we'll get to get out and see some Star Wars stuff out in the real world. Fingers crossed. I'm really hoping. And we have a lot of great content to look forward to in 2021. But before we turn our eye to that, let's spin back around and look at this year in review. And that's what we're doing today. Yep. So we are going to go down and uh, in some instances briefly and in some others not so much talk about everything that happened this year in the world of Star Wars. And I just want to say, uh, frankly, we, we may hit spoilers as we just talk off the cuff, but yes. um, for the most part, we're we're trying to avoid them, but ye be fairly warned, we are going to be talking just about everything that happened this year, and it could, could yeah. occur, okay? Yeah, I think it's probably safe to say that if you uh, have not seen some of the biggest things in Star Wars this year, uh, the season finale of Mandalorian, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you maybe uh, uh, put a pause until you have, all right? Yeah, just be careful out there. That's all I'm saying. All right, Mac, let's dive right in because, you know, you talk about the back half of the year being loaded, but realistically, a lot happened in the front half of this year, too, including Clone Wars. Oh, that's I know. Right. Crazy to think that that was this year, right? Pre pandemic. Yeah. Wow. Well, let, let's just be honest for a second. This has been the longest <laughs> and also shortest year of our lives. It has been the yeariest year of our lives that we've ever yeared. There are some parts of me that remember that it is yeah. still the 270th day of March. <laughs> and there's a part of Mac me... Mac has been scratching into his walls every day that he's been in quarantine. Well, I, the days that I actually was, by state order, not allowed to leave my house and go to work, I do actually have marker boards with that. Because <laughs> um, I was in quarantine a total of... 117 days where like I was just in my house and I didn't have any reason to leave. I didn't have, well, I shouldn't say any reason. Like I didn't have any justification for leaving. Like, you know, maybe go to the grocery store, but like my work was closed or they had me doing at home work. As a dude who lives by himself, like isolation was rough this year, which is why it was great to have Star Wars content available. <laughs> Cause, um, I was going to say, was there anything really that happened before May? Because, I mean, May is oh. the big thing. But like, Well, I mean, Clone Wars, you know, in February. Was that February? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought that I came on May but the 4th. My let's bad. start even... No, it ended on May the 4th. Oh, right, 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 right. Right, right. We have to remember, there were 11 episodes before that last one. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, so let's start out 
In January, though, because we had Star Wars number one published, starting off with the new run of comic books that take place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the the Jedi. Jedi. That run is still going. I have not read them, Mac. I know you have not read them, uh, because I am still on the first run of Star Wars comic books, but slowly but surely making my way through. Yeah, I got through some with my Marvel Unlimited subscription, because it's like basically six months behind. I caught up on some of that during quarantine, but like again, none of the new published stuff was available for that yeah. year. So that's something that uh, maybe 2021 will have in store for us. Now, Star Wars Resistance was still airing in January. New episodes mm-hmm. were coming out. Uh, Fortnite in Star Wars, or yeah, I should say deal. Star Wars in Fortnite, was still happening. The Rise of Kylo Ren number two came out in January. Uh, and frankly, uh, that is my favorite issue of the four issue run, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, because that's so, the episode that's... where it talks about uh, Luke and Lor Santeca going to the Jedi Temple, I believe. Yes, I believe that's correct. And we did a great review of that earlier in the year, which uh, that is probably the most prominent comic book read I had this year was looking at those series of four, right? You know, it is. It's four issues airing from uh, or premiering, uh, coming out, releasing from <laughs> December of 2019 through March of 2020. Uh, so there are four issues total and it's now out in graphic novel form. So if you want to grab the trade or whatever they call it, uh, you know, all four issues together, you can get it for one reasonable price, which is great. Yeah, your wonderful trade paperbacks. Mm-hmm. We have the uh, manga version of The Legends of Luke Skywalker published this year. Now, I've read the book. I haven't read the manga version, but I do have it on my shelf uh, in the <laughs> Star Wars All-In Library. So that will be something that I'm going to read this year, along with the Leia Princess of Alderaan manga that's out slash in the process of coming out. Right, which um, that is pretty, that looks really intriguing to me. I, I remember when I was a kid, the first interaction I had with manga was I picked up the Star Wars manga. And, oh, that's so cool. And you open it up and it's like, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> um, because at that time, like Japanese reading is is right to left, not left to right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you always had the options of one of two things. I believe early editions of, of Star Wars, because it was the 90s, were still like the... Um, just to let you know, things are going to be mirrored. Like, Luke isn't normally left-handed, but he's going to be in this because we mirrored all the art so you can read it forward. That's so funny. And later ones would be like, no, turn, start start on the back cover and move in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely don't remember the manga publications of the original novels. They had the original, original stories from... Uh, so there were four... I think I think it's twelve volumes. I think it's four issues for each one of the uh, original trilogy, and they started *Phantom Menace*, but I don't know if they ever finished it. Or *Phantom Menace* is only like two volumes. Interesting. I own *Empire* in its totality in actual book form, and I think I own everything digitally. Oh wow! But yeah, first example of manga for me, and hmm. so I was very intrigued by the Luke stuff, but I I didn't. Didn't know how to get it. <laughs> yeah, I just bought mine on Amazon because um, I also have them there right next to the uh, uh, three-part Lost Stars manga adaptation that I have up there. Mm. Uh, and that I have that read is some cool. of it. I have great. read that, yes. Uh, so really, really great. I'd highly recommend checking it out. And they're super cheap. And so if you're just looking for something fun over the holiday season, it's like an under $20 read to order the paperback. And great little beautiful thing to have on your shelf. The art's amazing. So highly recommend it. Uh, very excited to see more of these manga adaptations just because a lot of times that's when we get our first canonical drawings of a lot of characters. Uh, that's you know, true. It gives us a lot of art and official images of characters 
that we wouldn't normally have. Correct. So something to Very think cool. about. Yeah. Uh, Rise of the Resistance opened January 17th. Yep. That's the one at Disneyland, right? And uh, I think they yes. were first. I think yes. It, Disneyland was the first one. Yes. Um, which uh, I, I definitely during quarantine watched some <laughs> ride alongs of that. And it looks absolutely amazing. Um, our one fr- friend is a frequent goer to the Disney properties. Uh, <laughs> yes. He, in fact, at the time of recording, maybe riding it right now. We don't know. He literally, Chris B., you know, uh, you, if you're on Rise of the Resistance right now, uh, shoot us a text. Yeah, because we, we want to know if you're enjoying it with the quarantine wall that they have to put on the, in the car. Yeah, we'd like to know. Please, it's very important. All right, Mac, that's January. Pretty much, yeah. Thrilling. Let's move on to February. All right, Darth Vader number one. Published mm-hmm. in February, so the newest, the third run of Darth Vader. Uh, also have not started this yet. Which is odd, because both of the Darth Vader runs I really liked a lot. Well, you know what? You didn't have any extra time this... You were busy. Stre- stressing out and doom scrolling on, on our social feeds. <laughs> that takes a lot that of time. That did take up a lot of my March through June. Yeah. Uh, by June, I learned to start relaxing a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, and I read almost 30 star wars books this year so far so i have consumed a lot but yeah the comics not so much um we also have on the uh 12th of february the rise of kylo ren number three Mm -hmm. and that is also a good one because that shows some great stuff about uh young younger luke and ben training uh we talked during that episode about some really great force metaphors and things from that issue mm-hmm. so that is the really episodes issues 2 and 3 really are just a great kind of little small story inside of the big story uh mm-hmm. and then on the 21st of february the bad batch premiered on disney plus so episode right. 1 season 7 of the clone wars and we were all introduced to the bad batch who now Within a few months, probably, we're going to be seeing a spinoff show. I think it's interesting for us. Let's let's meditate on this for just a second. Let's just talk about this four, first four uh, yeah. with the Bad Batch. Um, so I, I, they were really fun because they kind of remind you of sort of the, the meaty center of Clone Wars. Because yes. it's like, we've got to attack this base to get this stuff. Like, it's very boilerplate mission. And the yeah. only things that make it interesting is, A... Oh, so this is what the the final budget of Clone Wars can do, <laughs> like because they're doing things like those those flying droids and stuff like that are just stuff they would have never had the money for. Um, also, the level of detail. Um, there's the one Bad Batch member who, uh, yes, I freeze frame on every single frame when he's looking through his visor and translated the Arabish. I'm normal. What? It's fine. But like, just the fact I could do that just shows again these are being produced in like probably native 4k you know like they're very very high end yeah um and it, it was just it was a good episode it set oh, episode good arc it did it set up uh the end of the war i mean that's yes. essentially what we're seeing is we're seeing this is what it has become it has become the droids fighting ruthlessly right they are losing but they're still causing lots of grief Right. Right. We have two Jedi who are extremely powerful and extremely used to these battles and they're getting tired of this war. Right. They're just repeating the same things over and over again. And here we start to see now this different approach with these Bad Batch characters to solve not only solving problems, but to just simply getting the job done, a different ethical approach that the clones take. Right. They're not the same order following 
uh, duplicates, and it shows some of our heroes, like uh, you know Rex, for example, that yep. you don't have to be an exact copy and follow all the rules, you know, exactly. And I'm not saying this is, you know, he's learning this from Anakin and Ahsoka and tons of other people too, right. you know, but this is all really important character stuff that's happening here. It's not just these great action episodes. And yeah, now we get a spinoff of it. And I think it's going to be really fantastic and, to see. And again, you kind of stated like the, the other thing these episodes did was sort of just settle you back into the world of Clone Wars because we have things like, like, this is where we have a tense conversation with like Anakin trying to like find time to talk to Padme and, and Rex might know. And he doesn't, he's like Rex may or may not know, but he knows that Anakin needs his away time and he needs to run interference for Obi-Wan. We are reintroduced and reminded about our trooper, Jesse, who will become very important before the end of things. We get to see Rex and Cody who Cody doesn't feature as prominently in the clone wars as he does in episode three and probably on a, different world with a different timeline for for he would have become a much more prominent character um and and like we said we we meet our four uh, our bad batch members so we've got we've got um sergeant hunter who mm-hmm. uh wears sort of like the band you know the headband kind of thing and just hey i'm an 80s action star yes for sure i'm here the to Rambo. be an 80s action star yeah. um you have our our big brute wrecker mm-hmm You've got the um, our grim uh, uh, sniper crosshairs, crosshairs yeah. and then you've got your tech. Tech, not the most creative names, but <laughs> <laughs> um, classic. But let me just let me just put it this way: they were very interesting because what I like about them is, again, they are all in their own individual ways homages to fairly. How should I put this? Tropey. Very, yeah. very, very classic. Yeah, it's the A team. It's the yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's the A team. It's it's yes, we we pick pick the best from the Rambo movies, the Predator movies. From you know, if Schwarzenegger or Stallone was in it, we were looking at that when we thought of yes, these four. Absolutely. Um, and they're interesting, but I I'll be very honest. We'll talk about this more when we look ahead next week. But like, they're cool. Do you think they can carry their own show? Well, let's talk about that in the next episode. Okay, because yeah, because I I feel the one of the weird things is as an introduction of characters like they're important to this episode, but it's yeah. it's more about um who's it? is it fives, who's ends up joining them at the end? Echo. Oh, Echo. It's Echo. Echo. It's yeah. Echo. Like Echo is like the actual gateway character, and it's just like oh, the Bad Batch is here to give him a soft landing. Here's a group of people that he can still keep yeah. fighting the good fight with, yeah. and it's like from what I know, Echo's not in the show because it's earlier, so it's just it's. It's weird. Let's just leave the marker there. You're right. But um, these episodes were great. And again, just a wonderful trip back into Clone Wars, which sets up where we're going with everything else. Yeah. And I don't don't know what you're talking about. It's the show is Order 66. So I don't know how it would be earlier. Hmm? The show, The Bad Batch, is going to be about Order 66, right? Oh, I don't know. So I don't know why earlier. I didn't think they released an official synopsis. Well, did yeah, they? like the trailer is Order 66. Like, did you watch the trailer? I did. I So are we not? What? What? <laughs> oh, I'm very confused then. No, I watched the trailer. Okay. I, I, I'll be honest. Like, maybe it's because I watched it on my phone, but like, I don't remember getting. Oh, okay. 
Okay. I thought. All we right. Were between all here and next the... week, I'm going to yeah. have to go watch that because yeah. no, it just it looked like it was at, from everything I've had a discussion with anybody yeah. about it. It's like, oh, I guess we're just having more Clone War adventures. I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, how can you keep going forward? If it's Order 60, great. Yeah. Order 66, then great. It's going to be Imperial Commandos because there's that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All of those things you're saying. I'm sorry. I'm only confused. Yeah. I, I swear off air, we have had a conversation where you're like, oh, maybe it's about that. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, well, hey. Hey, that's for next week episode. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's why we're looking to the past this week. Yeah. So anyway, March. <laughs> longest month ever. Sorry. That's okay. I'm very, conf- I'm very confused right now. Uh, that's all right. Uh, maybe I'm very confused too, and our confusion is affecting one another. I think I need to do more research before next week. Okay, uh-huh. uh, so uh, in March, uh, Max von Sydow passed away, yeah. uh, unfortunately, which is worth uh, calling out um, in The Force Awakens. Uh, we'd love to see more from his character, Lor Santeca. He did appear briefly in one of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic books. Uh, but still a character But hopefully that, some more. Yeah, still a character um, that's very interesting. Just even the concept of the, the Jedi Church and all that kind of stuff is just very... Yes fascinating it really is uh bounty hunters uh started its run i have not read that comic series have you i have not again we know my general opinion on comic books it's basically (laughs) unless like someone lights a torch of like no no you need to read this i usually don't go back yeah unless we basically make you the rise of kylo ren 4 published as well wrapped up its run uh with some great stuff revealing the emperor there being in control uh, of Snoke there. So a few interesting things happening in that comic book. Uh, let's see. The other Anything Star Wars. I, I did watch some of these because uh, the Galaxy's Adventures, they had Ray and the and friends. Oh, I didn't check those out. How uh, was it? They're great. They're, yeah. they're great because they're this, this flash kind of animation, very like, um, for lack of a better term, Samurai Jack, where they're kind of like, you know, just there's no outlines and stuff to them. They're sort of just these... Um, very clean-looking uh, cartoons, and I really, really like them. I've I've used them for interstitials for the show, and that has made me fall in because they're all they're all like ten minutes or less, and they're just really fun, and they're great little encapsulations of different parts of the story. And the one that came out in March, I just looking at it, I remember is it like it's kind of a re retelling in because all of them are sort of like almost retellings or just scenes from the movie spun out. And this is the speeder chase away from uh, the, um, the festival on Pasada. Mm. So very fun stuff. cool. I will have to check those out myself. I have not. They're very good. Uh, let's see. The Ahsoka arc started this month during the Clone Wars with Gone with the Trace. Featuring my favorite character in Star Wars. Coruscant. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Got to see some fun load lifter robots. Some good action. <laughs> That's fun, but we got to see what a laundromat looks like in <laughs> Star Wars. And not only that, if you read the Arabish in the background, there's an ad from Lando because you get your clothes Lando clean. <laughs> Oh my god! I love it to death. Amazing! That little that little stupid stuff <laughs> in Star Wars just makes me so happy. Uh, a lot of people were a little down on the Ahsoka arc at first. They thought it was a little too slow, and there were definitely a few moments I can understand. But the whole point of that arc was to you know show oh. Ahsoka's connections outside of the Jedi Order, her trying to live outside the Order, and also to get her to Maul. I I think the thing about those four episodes is they are world building stuff. Because they're showing you what does it look like for a Jedi on the outs? How mm-hmm. do we make friends? How it also, I think, very explicitly shows you, yeah, 
rah rah the republic but like for most people on the working level the galaxy's really bad right now yeah. like the dysfunction the disorder like you can kind of see the people who are so downtrodden that they might go well could the empire do worse yeah <laughs> you know for sure uh, especially because we also get to see uh the other side of the pike syndicate and how yes. they're operating and just like oh <laughs> No, they're not living in the mud like we saw in Solo. No, no, the other side of places is like they're living in palaces and all this kind of stuff. The lap of luxury, baby. It's gross. <laughs> it is. The end of March, we had the Art of the Rise of Skywalker uh, yes, release. I do, of course, have a copy because those Art of a Books are amazing. Uh, I haven't looked at it a ton just because, especially still in March, I was a little sore uh, from the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but hey, I think that's what 2021 is going to be for. And I want to just say that, like, again, much like, you know, I, I will, I, I have negative opinions about Rogue One, but I own its art book because, again, the art department didn't fail anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you look at it, I mean, it's very rarely that the design, the look of these movies have any problems. So if you have problems with structure or story or whatever, that's fine. But, like, God, Star Wars is full of beautiful things. <laughs> it really, really is. It never ceases to amaze. <laughs> now, as we move into April, we have essentially some Clone Wars episodes. That is the bulk of it. We're getting towards the end of the Clone Wars run here, mm -hmm. towards the end of April. We do also, at the end of the month, have the Art of Star Wars Rebels published. But in between there, what we have are a lot is some more Star Wars kids content, uh, junior novelization of Star Wars, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, we had the soundtrack for uh, episodes five through eight of the Clone Wars uh, season seven published. So mm -hmm. a few, you know, a few other things worth pointing out. But essentially, the Clone Wars was all the talk in April. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. Oh, I noticed here on the list, um, Art of Star Wars Rebel. Did you pick that up? I do have that. Yes. I yeah. didn't get the fancy special edition one with the light up box, <laughs> but I did get the regular one, and uh, it's great. It's Again, gorgeous. Also. The art of Star Wars is beautiful. It is. It really is. Uh, okay, let's go into May, because May is mm -hmm. going to give us May the 4th, and it's also going to give us the end of the Clone Wars. So May 1st, we start out right with the episode Shattered, Shattered which was a huge episode because it was Order 66. It was the start of it. And then yeah. right after that, on the 4th, was Victory and Death. Um and I think that's why I got my wire crossed, because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I watched at least all four of the last ones. I saved them up to watch them all together, which I'm eternally grateful that I did, because those are a mini movie. Yes, they, they, they are. You could watch them separately, but if you, you don't you, you don't have to worry about that now. They're not being released episodic. They're all on Disney+. Plus. Just watch them straight. Watch it straight through. Uh, on May 4th, we also had Disney Gallery premiere with the first episode of The Mandalorian for directing. And wow, what a great episode. Uh -huh. Like. So the, that whole series is great, but even the directing episode of just talking about the how brilliant it was that they they got a lot of directors together from different walks and said, "Hey, we want you to we want this show to have its own, to be honest, episodic flavor." While we, while we're and we're going to have this big round table, we're going to talk about what we want to do, and we're all going to be on the same page. But I want you know I want Filoni's flavor of this. I want mm -hmm. um, you know. Favreau's flavor of this. I want uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's flavor of this. Like we want you guys to tell the stories that make the most sense to you, resonate with you, and we want you to lead these little micro movies. And Absolutely. it was great, uh, and it was, and it continued uh, for seven more episodes, and we've got some more Disney Gallery coming up. 
But we also have Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker added to Disney Plus on May the 4th. Mm-hmm. Resistance Season 1 added to Disney Plus. Resistance uh, Season 2 added to Disney Plus. Now, these are in some different countries, but basically going worldwide. The point is, by the end of this year, Disney Plus has basically got it so all of existing canon Star Wars is finally on its platform semi-permanently. Because we mm-hmm. we also had the whole headache of New Hope and getting it over and the Disney Fox acquisition, blah, 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 blah. Luckily, they're all home together now. <laughs> <laughs> As the maker yes. intended. <laughs> In April, towards the end, we also had Dr. Afra number one published. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, hey, we love Dr. Afra. And... I think one of the biggest things was when we got to the 21st was the actual remembrance of the 40th anniversary of the release of Empire Strikes Back. Because in some territories it released in March or wow. May, May, May 21st. I'm sorry. So, yeah, so yeah, we're in May. I saw an M and I, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so May when Mac believed Star Wars should be released. Yep. Um, we had the second biggest movie come out in 1980, and we have been having a year-long celebration of what is, to many, many fans, the beating heart and soul of Star Wars, the dark middle chapter, if you will, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. And it's yes. and while it's been a very uh, weird year to celebrate it, like we'll be definitely hitting on merch and all that other stuff. Um, it's one of the most dominating wins that's been going through all of star Wars has been just celebrating, you know, all the stuff that empire brought, brought to yeah. the table. It's, it's a, it's a shame that the anniversary happened in such a strange year, but it has been so much fun to see all the things honoring the tradition of empire and all of the, uh, well, fun things we've been able to buy. And as we go through the rest of the year, we're going to talk about that. But before we head over to June, Mac, let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. We want to take a pause from the show here to talk about something that's very important and something we've talked about before. The fact that Star Wars needs to be a place for everybody. That means that everybody needs to be welcome. Yeah. And, you know, luckily you and I were uh, both uh, brought up in a way and experienced life in a way that we feel pretty open uh, to all Mm -hmm. sorts of different people. But we definitely understand that there are a lot of people out there in different situations who maybe have some different opinions than us. And of course, there are times when differing opinions are perfectly great and valid. But when it comes to human rights, it's something that we believe should belong to every person. And so today, what we're here to talk to you briefly about is a fundraiser that has been started by some other members of the Star Wars community. And we just want to take a minute and amplify it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, something we heard at the end of Last Jedi that Rose says is that we're going to win this war not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. And Mm -hmm. what's great about fundraisers like this is we're trying to promote the positive things that this community can do for not just ourselves and Star Wars fans, but the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. And uh, it's fun to point out, too, hey, that's also the Jedi's philosophy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people forget about that. But anyway, this uh, fundraiser, which you can find on GoFundMe, and if you search, it is titled Trans Rights Are Human Rights. This is the way. Mm -hmm. And this is a fundraiser that's been going on for a little while now. They've raised over $11,000. 
dollars at the time of recording this. Isn't that yeah. insane? Eleven thousand dollars. It's exciting, but it still can go further. Mm -hmm. And that's why we want to boost that voice and let you know about it so that you can support it. Absolutely. So please feel free to seek this out. We are going to share the links on our Twitter uh, as well in the coming weeks uh, to go along with our different Mandalorian segments that we're going to be doing. But uh, we also just want to point out why does this exist, right? Well, where this money is going is to the Trans Law Center to Mm -hmm. help defend people who can't defend themselves against um, either physical attacks or discrimination right and so what we're trying to do here is just let you know that these things are very important to us Mm -hmm. and this is the kind of community that we will have here at star wars all in so let's just look at it this way we're star wars all in for a reason because it's all in on star wars and everyone belongs and this is all about following the way, which is to accept everyone just the way they are and support people's fights to be the people that they are. All right, so now it's June. The The sun is rising. We're all coming out of quarantine. Well, at least the illusion of quarantine (laughs) being a non-permanent thing is going around. The the idea of we need to wait for a vaccine is like, oh, we might actually be able to theoretically make a vaccine. We're starting to identify things about the virus. May May is over, and now we're just settling into the summer, and we have some, some great stuff starting on the 2nd. No book you care about. Oh, Queen's Peril Peril releases. Queen's Peril, the prequel to Queen's Shadow. Uh, Queen's Peril is great. So Queen's Peril is uh, a fantastic book about Padme and her first days as queen. It starts Mm -hmm. off on the night of the election uh, with Panaka coming to congratulate her. And the book is about Panaka going through and finding her handmaidens, her interviewing and coming to grips with uh, living with and being so close to people that they know everything about you. And then the last third of the book turns mm-hmm. into, from a certain point of view, The Phantom Menace. Right. And it's great. So I highly, highly recommend it. It is a fantastic read. Super easy to great, uh, get. Great for kids uh, as a young adult book. It is a, uh, a great one to pick up. Highly, highly recommend it. And speaking of Phantom Menace, we have one of our favorite stars from Phantom Menace coming home to the world of Star Wars to play another character, a Jedi Master who leads younglings on a Jedi Temple Challenge. Oh, boy. 
Jedi Temple Challenge featuring Ahmed Best or Kellerin Beck, as he is known on the show. So good. <laughs> uh, it is great. I've watched a half dozen episodes. It's a ton of fun. Um, it's exactly what you want it to be. It, it's a Nickelodeon game show. It's Legend yeah. of the Hidden Temple Jedi Temple Edition. Like, it's so much fun. It is. It is. And it's it's fun to stick with. And, uh, you know, you can, you can make a fun game out of, like, betting on which kids you think will win. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a ton of fun. Uh, some good uh, voice work in the show. Some great sound effects. It's, it's really great. I, yeah, I had a blast with it. Highly, highly recommend. I need to go back and watch some of the more recent episodes. Yeah, I don't think I've checked in a little bit, but it, it's fun. Yeah. Especially if you have kids. I mean, it's oh, per- for sure. so cool for kids. At the end of June on the 23rd, uh, Star Wars Alphabet Squadron Shadowfall mm-hmm. was released. Um, definitely one of my lesser favorite Star Wars books of the year. I just think, I, I didn't really care for the first uh, Alphabet Squadron novel either. Now, for me, you have to understand, when I say I don't really care... Or I didn't really care for. I read them. this book and its sequel, and yeah, out of the thirty books I read, yeah, it's just you know relative to some of the other Star Wars books I read this year, it's more towards the bottom of my list. Probably my least favorite canonical book. Um, I just really, I thought it was really slow. I, I didn't really like the ending because it sets up a now a finale book where one of two things happen, and they both seem very obvious. Yeah, so well, it's like okay, either one is just going to kind of feel like a letdown. Now, I don't want to, you know, get any, I don't want to assume this going in because who knows, we'll talk about that as we're looking ahead sure, sure. because that book publishes uh, early next year. But it definitely, out of all the canon reads, was the one was a little bit on, lower on my list. And I am, uh, after uh, the announcement of uh, Rogue Squadron, I definitely was like, all right, I need to go back and I need to get Alphabet Squadron under me. I need, I want to... Because yeah. that's more my end of the pool. I, I grew up on the Michael Stackpole like uh, Rogue Squadron books. I'll be books. very interested to hear because the first one I thought had a lot of great character stuff mm-hmm. and it was fun. The second one separated them, and so like you take what was so good about the first one, and not only does it like separate them throughout the plot, which okay, you know they come back together at the end again. The, the problem, dark middle chapter, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Like they fracture and split even more, and so it's like you just spent an entire novel setting up your team. To immediately split them apart in the second one, and then they're going to be split apart for the entirety of the third until either your, I'm going to try and say this without spoilers, but people who read it will understand, either your character who splits away comes back to them and it was all a trick, or they didn't, which just makes all of their character development from the first one fake and empty. There's a thing in storytelling called, so it's, the, called the diamond problem, because yeah. usually in a three-act play, the first act, you are at the point of a diamond, and it raises up and gets wider and wider. We see the maximum aperture of the story, the characters, yeah. everything we can, and then it's about the closing action is going back to another point. Yeah. And it's like, it's a really easy problem to screw up, because you need to make the story as big and bold as possible but then it does have to get to an ending, and sometimes either you make the ending too obvious, and it makes feel, it feel like that widening was not yeah. earned. So we'll see. So, I hope to be surprised, but yeah. so far these books have not done it for me. But, you know, oh, okay. I never really got into the Rogue Squadron novels and Legends well, either. Um, so I'll be very interested, Mac, if you read them to tell me what you're Yeah, I, I will try and get those under my belt soon just so we can have perspective on it. Yeah, I'd love to hear more because I'm glad that they're being made. I mean, before we got Rogue Squadron announcement, 
we thought this was our new Rogue Squadron, you know, our In new closest ways, thing yep. we were going to get. So and it's fun I'm glad they all, exist. Yeah. The covers are absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> yes, um, that's, that is. On a, again, the art of Star Wars is always, almost yes, always good. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I remember this delay happened because we didn't get till the 23rd Star Wars um, Episode 1 Racer, the re-release, mm-hmm. the HD oh my upgrade. Gosh, yes. I remember really wanting that on May the 3rd. And then I remember like the, the whatever it was, half a year it took from May 4th to June 20th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for I real. just remember waiting for it. And I remember, I think I played through all but the last circuit in like a weekend. <laughs> I That game still got it. Wow. I was having trouble. Oh, really? I have not been able to get that far. I'm on like the third... The third, uh, you know, section of races. Yeah, sir. I think they call them circuits. Is, yeah, is, is the collection of yeah, whatever yeah, it's four yeah, to six yeah, races yeah, yeah, that yeah. you do. Yeah, no. Um, it it came back to me pretty quick. Um, I I I I think most of it was muscle memory. Yeah. Um, because that is just a very nice upresed version. They really didn't yeah. do a whole lot to yeah. the game or gameplay, which I kind of appreciate. But I don't know if new fans will will dig it. Um, you know, they'll never have the experience of holding two N64 controllers, one in each hand <laughs> using the tank controls that I yeah. really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm very good at, I'm very good at that, that particular vein, like that in Mario Kart 64 or pretty much any Mario Kart. I'm not good at driving games except for like those two. And <laughs> I'm an apex predator in those two. I don't, I don't, I can't explain myself. Very well. We should play it sometime. It's very good. Uh, right around that same time, uh, the Traveler's Guide to Batu came out, and I bring that one up because Mac, you have that, don't you? I do. I actually just got that recently as a Life Day present, uh, which is nice because as long as the world doesn't get more insane, that's mm-hmm. what I'll be. I'll talk about next week about the fact I am. I am planning to disembark in Batu in the coming year. Oh boy, I love a little tease. All right, let's head into July. Yes. All right, so in July, we continue to have some episodes of Jedi Temple Challenge. Big news, Solo A Star Wars Story is added to Disney+. Plus. Yep. And I'm not going to lie, I really expected Solo, once it got added to Disney+, Plus, to have a bigger boon, to have some a, a groundswell of to more To have its reputation it. maybe a little more rehabilitated yeah. as people are not in the, the afterglow of, uh, you know, right last jedi who either because i think we, we've talked many times solo kind of got pincered because if you love the last jedi this was going back to basics and you may that may ruffle your feathers and if you hated the last jedi you're like i'm gonna punish this movie even though it's probably the stuff you want you know it was it was in a very odd position it we was. both adored it and we do. um we both still do i'm with you i was hoping that it's it's reputation would be a little rehabilitated yeah. and it unfortunately has the worst fate people just aren't talking about it <laughs> yeah i mean there is a very dedicated group of people makes solo two happen who talk about this We're movie members. and love it and uh <laughs> and want more and want more solo content but yeah your your average joe is just like it was fine like they have no opinion on it they woody harrelson was in star wars <laughs> No, did I, you I, not see that? Come I, on. Well, I think, like I said, I think the biggest thing about it is, like, if you tell people, like, you can watch Solo. Ah, I don't, I don't own that. I, I, I can't really see it. It's on Disney Plus. Oh, is it? Yes, all of Star Wars is on Disney Plus. That's the whole point. Um, so yeah, I think we both wish it had um, 
made a little bit bigger splash on its second round yeah. of being able to get people's impressions. There's and still time. Okay. It'll it's be okay. there for a while. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, the 21st, the Dr. Afra audiobook or audio drama bad. came out. And I happened to be at the beach when that came out. So I got to sit in a chair and listen to it. Yep. Um, tons of fun, great production, but unfortunately just the same story they told in the comic book. And that's... Correct. You know, Dooku Jedi Lost, which was the first yeah. big audible full cast production for Star Wars, had a little more punch because it was an untold story. Yes. Right. Dr. Aphra, as you and I have, have definitely read at least the first couple of arcs of Dr. Aphra yeah. in the comic books, like, oh, I've got my opinions about her character. I think she's great. I just think she feels weird in the classic trilogy. She seems like a sequel trilogy. She seems like a 21st century character running around in the 70s. Yeah. Um, but she's great as a character and it was good to have her have a voice and kind of get, especially me, who's a little more driven by audio. Like it was great to hear that soundscape, but like you yeah. said, it's like zero surprises. Yeah. I've, I've seen this story before, but it was fun. Yeah. I, I will go back and listen to it again someday, but I'm much more interested to go and read through more Dr. Afro comics than I am to hear her kind of annoying voice. Oh, really? Um, I thought it was very like, Ha-ha! like just like I'm a silly goose, but I'm successful. Yeah, maybe I need you, to go back and watch I was it saying, again. No, no, or maybe you just need to go read the comic book because I thought that that rung fairly true for her. Yeah. Is she's this like she's she's there's a there's a ca- stock character that she sometimes echo, which is I I say the continuing adventures of awkward girl. Um, you know, because the whole thing about it is like she's this super nerd archaeologist slash yeah. droid expert slash slash anyway but like i see her as like let's put it this way anyone seems cheery when standing next to darth vader <laughs> you know yeah I, so it worked for me but yeah. I, I i can understand i, I, I think that. i need I to give it that. another shot i think i was just turned off by it being a repeat of the story which i mean we knew going no. in it's not like that was a surprise i just think i kind of got an hour and i'm like i know what's gonna happen this is silly like you know Yes. I, you know, I, th- no, no, I think no. it was just a, I, I, I a don't personal think, Here's my thing. I don't think you're wrong. I think it is silly. I think it is kind of supposed to be, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, now, there's one release here I want to mention that made me really happy, which is William Shakespeare's The Merry Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yes. I don't have that one, but I have four or five. I have the original trilogy, all three of them, and I have The Force Awakens um, uh, in the Shakespeare treatment. So... We talked about audiobooks. I really, really want them to finish getting all of the audiobooks. They have they have made every one of the nine movies now into this. Um, it's it's basically translating the screenplays of Star Wars into a a William Shakespeare style um, uh, version of those plays. Yeah, lots of doths, verily, Mary. You know, like very, very fun. And as a nerd of lit, like it's amazing the level of detail and thought that went into them. But at least the first three, there's audiobooks of, and that's the way you're supposed, weirdly enough, a play isn't supposed to be read. It's supposed to be watched, heard, seen. And so like, ugh, I love them to death, but like they get the audiobooks of the first ones. They're amazing. Get, if you love Shakespeare, you know, someone loves Shakespeare, get, get all of them. I think there's going to, there is a box set, I think of all nine that's, that's either coming or already has been released, but like, 
So much fun. Yeah. Such a weird little corner of Star Wars, and I love that it exists. Absolutely. Well, that's the nice thing about Star Wars, and anytime you know, we don't enjoy something on a personal level, sure. that doesn't mean there aren't lots of other people who do. And that's what matters, is that we have all of this different type of type of content for different types of people. Right. All kinds of flavors for everybody. Mm-hmm. We should also point out, on the same day that The Merry Rise of Skywalker published, mm-hmm. so did Dark Legends. Yeah, sort of follow up to missing fables. Um, I only have I haven't gotten the uh, extended edition yet. The one from Target that has the additional stories. Um, But the original version I have and have read it is good. I didn't enjoy it as much as I did missing fables just because, you know, less variety, all sort of being stories in the horror vein. Uh, yeah, so and, it's almost like ghost stories in a weird way, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and a lot of them just didn't didn't hit the same way that the missing fables stories did for me well you said the missing uh, fables more in your wheelhouse i mean we we've talked about on, on the show about like the obi-wan versus the great dragon and how delighted yeah. you were by that i very much was yeah i think it just i think it kind of is the same problem as death troopers and red harvest for me where it just doesn't catch my interest fair enough uh but i liked it i mean there are stories in it i enjoyed and i enjoyed i had a really fun time reading it and eventually i will buy the other version of it to get the extra stories and <laughs> i will read whatever the next book is that uh george mann i think this george mann puts out uh so i mean you know who am i to who am i to say right uh now we get into august now august mac yeah. should have been no this is of no, star wars celebration this is when I went to Anaheim and uh-huh. I saw all these great panels uh-huh. and we talked about how great Star Wars was. I saw all this amazing content uh-huh. of what the future of Star Wars was. Bump, and bump. I went to Batu in Disneyland and rode Rise of Resistance. Unfortunately, the pandemic claiming um, convention after convention mm-hmm. after convention by the middle of the summer we had finally heard word that, yes. Yeah. And I will say, I give credit to Reed Pomp and the organizers of Celebration because I like they're also like, and just so you don't have to go through this emotional cycle again, we're not even going to 2021. 2022, we're just skipping right there. Yeah. This thing had better be settled by then. <laughs> like, um, and yeah. and they're doing the right thing. Like, um, all of our tickets and stuff are, are in theory, transferring forward. And, yeah. and and they gave refund to anyone who wanted it and needed that money, which I don't know why you would possibly need more money in 2020. Um, you know, so they did the right thing. But it's, it's I spent the rest of the year, we'll talk a little bit about that. Like, I spent the rest of the year going like, hmm, I wonder if that was supposed to be at Celebration. Hmm, I wonder if that would have came yeah. out at Celebration. It sure does feel like that for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And as we get farther into our predictions for next year, we'll talk about it more, I'm sure. Indeed. Uh, so let's talk about August. So at the beginning of August, Poe Dameron Freefall was published. Mm-hmm. I've read this one. Tons of fun. Although I've said before, and I'll say it again, feels more of like a Zori Bliss prequel book than it does a Poe Dameron prequel book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does show, give us a nice picture of young Poe Dameron and basically dealing with his, you know, angsty youth. Well, it also, like you said, it's, it's more Zori Bliss, but it also kind of sketches in that detail that was the new wrinkle to his character from Rise of Skywalker that he did run with some spice runners and stuff like that. Yeah. And he has, he has a little bit of an outlaw smuggler life in him. And to see that was, I think... Again, smoothing out that wrinkle and kind of going like, ah, this is where that happens in his past. This is where he learned those lessons. This is why he is the way he is kind of stuff. 
Yes, exactly. And it was a ton of fun to read. I mean, heck, it starts off on Yavin 4. What more could you want from a Star Wars story than to learn Poe Dameron grew up on Yavin 4? That is fun. Isn't that fun? I think so. Uh, the 27th, unfortunately, the original date for Celebration Anaheim, as we said. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, yeah. Let's get to September, though. Let's get to September. Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising. Mac, Woo. I have not finished it yet. Really? I know. Isn't that crazy? I thought that would have been pretty high on your pile. It was. I started it, and it's just... I, it's not that I'm not enjoying it. It's just I'm taking it slow right now. I'm reading too much, and things too many things are happening. And I'm not reading enough. I'm only halfway through Allegiances, so I'm behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, very excited about finishing it, though. So it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else worth... Well, uh... one of the weirder crossovers of my two worlds is I follow a lot of video game information and stuff, and it was weird. In September 8th, we had The Sims 4 Star Wars Journey to Batuu, uh, where you can get Tell all kinds that. of Galaxy's Edge stuff for your Sims. You can go to Batuu. You can go to Black Spire Outpost. Um, so, you know, it's the closest I got to vicariously going to, uh, Disney World this year. Um, and... It's very cool, and it's also very awkward, because in the story of the game, like, it's... I don't think you're going to Disney's... You're you're, you're going to Batuu. Your, your Sims are going across the galaxy back in time to that galaxy far, far away, and a long time ago to, to Batuu, and it, and you can get lightsabers and Jedi robes and BB-8s, and it's... It's, it's fun, but it's kind of weirdly gimmicky. Like, can you play that if you don't have any other versions of The Sims? Like, if someone wanted to play it, what would be the easiest way? Um, so, uh, when you get from EA, they they generally bundle all this stuff. Essentially, think about it as, I think the action figure market's probably the easiest way for our audience to process this. You buy a base set. So, you buy Sims 4. Mm. No one needs to buy Sims 4 because there's 8 billion different ways they will bundle Sims 4 for you. And then what happens is in that world, they have a couple of different scales of expansions. So you've got like, like just getting a figure off the peg is kind of what they call like a stuff pack, which is just stuff that you get in the game. There's no gameplay changes or anything like that. And then you have like, you know, expansion packs and those usually add something. So like, oh, um, now you can get a cat or dog in the game or something like that. And then there's these huge expansions. Actually, I think the cat and dog one was one of these where like now your Sims can go to university. They can go and, um, you know, get different careers. They can go now and now they can become vampires or wizards or all kinds of other goofy stuff. And but two sort of in between there because you can get force powers if for your Sims um, or, or, or just buy a BB-8. Like, so if you went on to EA, I'm pretty sure you could buy a bundle that is just the Journey to Batu and Sims 4 together for, I probably guess, probably 40 or less dollars. Interesting. Sims 4 is amazing. The only problem with Sims 4 is like if you haven't been buying them the whole way along – like, if you want to get everything for that game, you're probably looking at 200-ish dollars to get absolutely everything because Sims 4 has been out for, I don't know, probably going towards five, six years. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we're, we're kind of due maybe for a Sims 5 platform change, but, like, we may never get there because the Sims 4 is still looks good, fairly robust, tons of features and stuff. So, yeah, um, Sims is great, especially if you just it. I, it's it's to me, it's a game I play every once in a while when I just need like to do nothing in particular. Like it's a good mindless game to just poke around in. Yeah. 
Um, there are some people who are super duper into The Sims. Huh, I've never um, given it a try. Well, I think the biggest thing about like weird expansions like this is there's a lot of folks um, who love telling stories. Like to them, it's a narrative creation engine, right? You create these personalities, they've got these quirks, how are they going to get along? And then you throw them into, you know, situations like going to Batu and stuff like this. And just kind of watching the sort of ant farm go of like these things you've set up and just having fun with it. Hmm. Um, it's really great, but yeah. it was, it was, I think the thing I just wanted, why I wanted to mention it is like, it's an impressive amount of content for what is basically a fairly obvious like plug for hey do you like the sims you can go to disney world i mean not this year but in general you can go to disney world <laughs> um so pretty fun pretty okay. fun okay very very interesting well uh i'm gonna go do a quick bit of sims research mac you want to take a quick <laughs> break and we'll come back and finish up the year sounds good Sunset on Tatooine, and the year comes to a close. Mm -hmm. We get to the part of Star Wars that most people were looking forward to the fall. Yes. Because in the fall, in October 2020, is when we start to get into some of the biggest Star Wars releases of the year, starting Agreed. off with Star Wars Squadrons, Woo! a brand new Star Wars game that I have played about four hours of because it makes me motion sick. Oh, I'm so sorry, buddy. I really liked it. I was really having a lot of fun, but I just found that every time I was playing, I was just getting this nauseous feeling in the pit of my stomach, and it just... Did not get better. So I will go back to it someday, but I feel like what I need is a small, like, 22-inch TV I can sit right in front of and play, mm. not a 50-inch TV hanging 12 like, feet away on the wall. Like a computer monitor is more like where you'd want to play that kind I of thing. I think it would be better for me, yeah. Meanwhile, over here, I've got it hooked up to my Quest, <laughs> Oculus Quest, and I've been playing it in full VR, which... Oh my gosh, one of the best breakthrough VR experiences for me of the year. And this is a year where like Half-Life Alex and stuff came out. But that's but that's not Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> so you're enjoying Squadrons on VR. So the fun thing about the weird thing about it is like I absolutely adore the experience that I've had with it. I've played through the entire campaign almost twice. 
Um, my only problem is I'm terrible and I don't enjoy multiplayer games because they're so no one's there to role play with me. <laughs> Everyone's there to win in death matches and stuff like that. And like that level of competition, just I, I don't I don't engage. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. So I've played the multiplayer a few times, but it's, it's just not for me. And unfortunately, that campaign really for me, it justified its price because it, it came out a little bit budget. It's $40 new. And now you can regularly get it on sales and stuff already. Yeah. Um, but for me, the problem is I just multiplayer doesn't do anything for me. So yeah. the bulk of the game, like I can only play that campaign so many more times. And I'm looking forward to trying it out again when the new content comes because I want to get in that bill wing, that B wing. Yeah, yeah. Love that thing. See, I never even got to multiplayer. I've only been playing the story. And and I think the story is, while not great, it's it's very serviceable. But the problem with the story is it's a tutorial for the multiplayer. Um, there's no two ways about it. You were meant to play that, and then you go and play the multiplayer. Yeah. And the multiplayer is the long tail of the game. And I think that's great for people who enjoy that. But I've already had the normal the normal experience where I got in a few matches, I'm doing really good. And then the matchmaking kicks in and then they say, Hey, let's put you with these apex predators who've been playing the game way longer than you way better at this and are way better at Twitch. And you're playing in the VR, which already puts you at a handicap because your spatial awareness is different. And uh, yeah, you're going to lose a lot, like a lot, yeah, like a lot, but the cockpits of that thing look so good when you're in the X, when you can look around and R2 is right there. He's right behind it's you. So cool. Um, yeah, I just wish, and maybe it will, or maybe the sequel will, I hope they realize there is a community of people that are more single player like me. And like, if this had robust missions, like the old X-Wing and TIE Fighter games had, oh my God, this would probably be my favorite game of the year. But with the two to three hour campaign that you have, and that's the majority of what I can engage, yeah. it's, it's didn't get you where you wanted to be. I guess the best point is it's, it's been a great experience. Yeah, but I can't call it a great game because it, it's no—it's not particularly longer than most of the VR games that yeah. I've played, and it's more mm -hmm. of a gee whiz. This is so cool to be in Star Wars and look! Oh my God, Star Destroyers are so much bigger when you're in a cockpit. It's like that stuff has been an absolute blast. Um, I yeah. just wish or hope that in the future, since this game did very well. Um, they're yeah. already releasing new content, which they originally stated they didn't have any plans for, yeah. which tells me that it's already doing better than they expected. My hope is that as we keep going, much like Battlefront to mm. Battlefront 2-2, uh, we got a much more robust single-player experience for folks. Same idea. I hope yeah. that as this, hopefully, franchise continues, they keep adding content for all different styles of play. You know, uh, Star Wars uh, Starfighting is on the rise. Buy stocks now, man. It's I, it, yeah, like it. Yeah, that it's, that wing of the universe is, is growing yeah. a, a lot. Yeah, so it's it's gonna happen. We're gonna get more. I'm sure we're only a few years away from Rogue Squadron novels coming back into canon. Uh, so it's only a matter of time. Agreed. On the twentieth, Star Wars: uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, published number one, the manga. Yep. So uh, I need to pick that up. I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, the lightsaber collection came out, yeah. and this is the Second version of it, we got a lightsaber book last year that was a much more um, child-friendly one. This one is a lot more informative. The pictures are very, very nice and detailed and high res. Mm -hmm. uh, really, really like it a lot. And then, of course, on the end of the month, the 30th, The Marshall premiered. Yeah. Chapter 9 of The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 1, featuring Timothy Oliphant and <sighs> Chuck Wendig's Cobb Vanth. So good. Wowza. 
Um, it's hard to say now, but I still think it's the episode I have the most fun watching of season two. Hmm. I, I, you know, it's the one I've watched the most. Um, well, I think it was, I think it was a, we talked about this a little bit with the Clone Wars when that came back. Um, you know, it, it, it sunk you right into where you left off. Like that episode has a little bit of everything that made the first season of Mando great. And you got to see the fact that, yes, you're still going to get those stories. It's still the same kind of tone and feel. But by all means, yes, we had a very successful first season. And Disney gave us a lot more money for this one. <laughs> um, yes, they did. And it's it, it it was splendid. And what a great way to return to the galaxy. Um, I mean, you see Boba Fett's armor. That's amazing. <laughs> what more could you need, right? All right. Um, you know, I was a little surprised. My one, my only sort of little thing I'd like to say is I wish Mandalorian season two had started off either with a crawl or with some text the way Solo did. Just our Mandalorian has been on the hunt for a year looking for other. Just tell us about, you know, like we see the end of that adventure in the opening of season two. Yeah. When he goes to visit Gore, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he goes to visit him, right? We see that. You know, I've searched, uh, what's he say? Many cycles for you or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so we get the idea, that, you know, we see that Grogu has grown a little bit. There's been so some time. We know time has passed, but I wish they would have just stated that. I've had some conversations with other uh, uh, fans I... in the universe who, you know, they didn't get grasp that. And I've also had some conversations with other fans this year, uh, more casual fans who don't understand where the Mandalorian in general takes place in the Star Wars timeline. Uh, sure. I think I mentioned on the show just last week or two weeks ago that my wife thought Grogu actually was a baby Yoda. Right. And this was a prequel to all of that. So, well, I, I think... you know, I think I think it, it would have been worth, if you didn't have it in season one, saying, five years ago, the Empire fell. Uh, you know, I, I think it would have been worth having here. I don't... Interesting. I think this is getting back to Clone Wars season one, where Clone Wars wasn't able to be watched by you until they put it in chronological order. And I, I'm i fine with it being wibbly wobbly and all over the place. I was fine with it more before they started making it a tie into every other Star Wars property. Uh, when it was new characters and new stories. But this season has I, very much, let's tie you into other characters from along the way. I, and, I I, just... and I think that's why it's... We rewatched The Mandalorian season one, and I, I just, I think that the the person giving him the commission um, at the beginning, Herzog's character, like, uh, I think that shows you how pathetic the, the galaxy is with yeah. the Empire. And it's like, yes, by the time you get to season two, most people aren't watching season one again. <laughs> I guess I guess what you're asking for, I'm like, uh, what did the episode description say? Because that seems like where I would put it is right before you start it. You can read the like, here's where you here's where we are. But I guess let's put it this way. Another thing that that we both talked about is like, I'm not sure this is good or bad. I'm not I'm not particularly into it was the episodes that had the previously on the Mandalorian. Right. Like we we had those like little um previously ons in yeah. some of the episodes and i'm like well, i don't on every episode well i'm just like I, I don't think we needed that i still don't think we need that yeah. and and so if you're gonna do that i can understand like yeah. prepping it but i think at the end of the day it, what the makers of this are thinking is this is a giant tome and you are on 
you you've now seen the first um, set of eight chapters and then the second set of eight chapters. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't think they're I think they're looking at it holistically as like almost comic book issues, right? And and that's fine, but between chapters one and eight, right? Like just that's yeah. one story. So to go immediately to chapter nine mm-hmm. and essentially continue the same story, but to have a large time gap. All I'm saying is you don't read a book, you turn the page from chapter eight to chapter nine, and a year skips without the book telling you. I guess my thing is I look at it like a book, and when you get hit the like three to five asterisks where we've changed scenes, even though we haven't changed chapters, yeah, and they usually don't tell you exactly what happened. They just show you a new scene, and you start computing exactly what must have happened in the dot, dot, dots. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, I guess, I oh, guess that's what it is. And that's yeah, yeah, fine yeah. for you and me. What I'm saying is that's not fine for my nephew's babysitter who took sure. her three night sittings to watch the first chapter. But let me also like, ask you this. Yeah. Did they buy baby Yoda stuff? Because if so, huh. Disney doesn't care if they understood why, if, if you want to buy baby Grogu stuff and you think it's literally baby Yoda, they will take your money very happily. <laughs> it's totally fine. If you want to give us that money. Yes. They you know, will. I, I think there's just a certain level of. The people who would care are going to find that information, and maybe that is literally how they look at it, right? That's fair. That's fair. I guess what I'm saying is I hope Star... The Mandalorian has brought Star Wars back to the forefront. It's allowed us to kind of overtake the Marvel shadow again. Okay, I see And what you're I'm saying. hoping that trend continues with all this new Star Wars properties. Well, it sounds to me like you want people to have that context so they know... Did you like the Mandalorian? Here's the other stuff you can see. Yeah, like, and here's stop the things me. that connect. That's the other reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm I, just kidding. I, I'm just sick and tired of doing Disney's work, world building for them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's understandable. But, I, but that's just, it's just my only thought. I have my only thing thinking about back to when the Mandalorian started. I can tell the kids bigger. Oh. Here's Din saying, I've been searching you for you for a long time. But just tell me. Oh, I, I'm with you in the sense that, like, now you're reminding me of a conversation I had of, like, like who's that guy in the black robe? Well, that's Tamara Morrison. Yeah? No, he's the guy who played Django Fett. That's Boba Fett. Fett. Well, they didn't say that. They don't have to say it. It's Tamara Morrison. <laughs> like, yeah. the amount of conversations I had of, like, to you and me, what pedestrian knowledge of, like, yeah. yeah. And then, then other people go, kind of going, like, what does that mean? What happened to Boba Fett? Didn't he fall in that like like spiky hole in the ground? Yeah, y- yeah. <laughs> and see that I feel yeah. And see that it's see now maybe I'm eating my own tail here because I'm gonna say I feel like that's different because they will explain it, give them time, and that brings me to what I'm gonna mm-hmm. talk about when we were gonna talk about Chapter Ten of the Mandalorian, the, the passenger, passenger, which premiered on uh, November sixth. You would think after Pergrills, we would have learned to stop calling things filler. You would think, but yet here we are. People can't. (laughs) The very next episode, he needed that relationship with the frog lady to leave Grogu with her, right? He needed that relationship with her to uh, develop his own personality of, I can help people. You know, he's continuing to learn how important it is to help other people. Mm-hmm. He sees the reunion. He sees the the fruits of his labor when he sees their babies, right? Yeah. And the child appreciate uh, teaches him more to appreciate that type of stuff. Yep. Uh, and also, you know, he develops a, a, a closer relationship with the New Republic, which will come back more than it already has. I guarantee it. 
Like, you know, these things will pay off or have paid off already. So let's stop criticizing things before we've seen, you know, the big picture. With everyone sitting at home, I feel this has been the ultimate year in many quarters. As a person who follows video game news, it's particularly bad. But, like, I hear what you're saying. I I think there's a part of me that's just, I think filler is just a shorthand for, it was slower and full of things I didn't care about. Is how most yeah. people what that's what they're saying, and it, it's the stuff that depresses me just in general. Like you know, I love movies. I dedicated my life to it. Is what my professional training is all built around. Round, and it's been very sad to see the slow death of theaters be accelerated very quickly this year, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that's just like, I was watching some TCM classics the other day, and just going like, most of my contemporaries cannot stand watching a movie this slow. And that makes me really upset because like when they say slow, they mean like it has to be as fast as like a Marvel action scene. I'm like, not every story can be that fast. Many of them are slower burns than that. And that's how I felt about the passengers when I started hearing like, Oh, it was filler. I'm like, it's just shooting space ice spiders. And there's the the X wings. And then the, 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 See, you talk about it slow. See, that's funny. Yeah, you say like, oh, filler is a correlation for slow. I think of it as like, oh, the same, but for adventure. You just don't want right. adventure. You just you want, want action. A campaign. You want A to B to C to D to Right, you, right, you right. You don't want adventure. And you don't want swashbuckling. And to me, as we saw between one and three, like you needed a little bit slower unraveling, not only to build those characters, but just also yeah. Give him a second to breathe. He just fought a Kray Dragon, killed it yeah. after being eaten. Yeah. It's okay for him to just do a milk run delivery. That should be yeah. okay. And even yeah. that goes sideways. Yeah. And like I said, that interaction with the New Republic, we already saw uh, one of those pilots pop back up. And that's our second time seeing the other pilot, Trapper Wolf. So it's only a matter of time till that plays a bigger role, too. Especially, yeah, and we'll talk about the next episode. Now, before we get to more Mandalorian, on the 10th, we had, from a certain point of view, Empire. Mm-hmm. Now, whew, I have not finished it yet because I've been taking it nice and slow. I'm guessing you were in the same ballpark? I am halfway. The, the move... So, much like the first certain point of view, the, the stories, there's many... It feels like... Were there 40 in the first one? Yes. It, it feels like there's more in this. Maybe it's just because we're... I guess hitting the rewind a little bit, like we're seeing more like there's the moment of the evacuation of Hoth and you get like four or five perspectives on that. Like that specific moment attaches to a couple of different stories. Yes. Uh, And maybe that's why it feels more complex or maybe it's just been a while. I I think you're a hundred percent right. It does feel and read differently than the first one. So where I am is um, Han, Luke and Leia are about to get to Bespin. Uh, I'm almost Almost to the one I'm most excited about, which is the dinner party with Darth Vader. I can't wait for that. Wow. Well, you were farther ahead than me because Luke is just heading to Dagobah for me. Savor it, though, my friend. See, that's why I'm going slow. I'm doing like a story a night. That's a good way of doing it. I thought I would finish it on vacation. It didn't happen. And so I've just been taking it nice. And like I said, I'm reading three other books, too. Uh, The 13th, (laughs) Chapter 11, The Heiress, our live action debut of Bo-Katan. Yep. Um, Oh, it was great. The music was great. Um, the special effects were great. The that mon- opening where he, you know, almost lands and then lands in the ocean. That Mon Calamari and a cable knit sweater. Uh-huh. Took the internet by storm, that sweater did. Oh, well, it was Space New England's a great place. Planet Trask. <laughs> when Grogu gets attacked by the face hugger in his soup. 
It was so good. Who doesn't love that? Especially just, man, it pulls out like a stiletto and just kills it. Don't play with your food. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's great. Bo-Katan. I mean, we weren't expecting it. Uh, we met a couple other new Mandalorians and Axe Wolves and, what is it, Cosca Reeves? Yes. Um, and, and it was just so cool because, like, my first reaction was like, oh, oh, she has a headband. Like, oh, she is Bo-Katan. And it's like, of course she is because that's the voice <laughs> of Bo-Katan. <laughs> like, she was a perfect cast for the voice. Yeah. And, of course, she's a perfect cast for the person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. November 14th, Gina Carano sends out problematic tweets. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's skip over that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, November 17th, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Um, which in the time of... Took this- the world uh, by storm. By now you've what? heard all of our great thoughts on it. It was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Are you kidding me? A Lego Holiday Special in 2020. What a way to end the year. We had a ton of fun with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we really need to expand any more on it because we went deep into it last time, but it was a ton of fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And it had Porgs, but not enough Porgs. I just want to say that one more time. You always want more Porg-related content. More Porgs, more Porgs. Chapter 12, The Siege, premiered on November 20th. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was away. I was traveling. I was out of uh, my great hometown and into uh, traveling to Tennessee at the time. So I watched it on my phone. I'm sorry. It was fine. Um, It wasn't the best experience, but a fun episode. I liked the tie into uh, Snoke, what we can presume is Snoke or cloning or whatever. The early stages of it. I liked being back on Navarro. Loved being back with Grief Karga. Tons of fun. Loved the Mithril. Loved uh, Grogu being in school, eating the macaroons. And the best thing from the episode, when uh, Grogu throws his hands up like he's on a roller coaster while they're flying in the Razor Crest. That's pretty good. Uh, I've never wanted a pop socket before until I saw you can get that on a pop socket. Just wanted to let you know you can. <laughs> Just little uh, Grogu wee. Yeah, that is my maybe my favorite moment from the whole show, from the whole series so far. Is just him throwing his arms up and then throwing up on himself. Uh, absolutely loved it. Gotcha. Um, and it's in a fun episode. I mean, just a fun. It's adventure. It's it's adventure. It, it just was, like episode and, two, or sorry, chapter ten was. It's adventure. And anytime you set up something that's basically a heist, we need to get in, grab something, and get out. Like I, I'm a sucker for that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And right after that, uh, that same day, actually, uh, the first soundtrack for the mandalorian season two premiered with uh tracks from the first four episodes chapters nine through 12 and i have a little bit of a problem here because what is going on this season had so much less music it felt like and i'm not talking about just released music right releasing two records versus eight i'm talking about literally in the episodes just less music they're much quieter there's always a constant battle between the sound effects folks and the music folks about what needs more prominence and when things should be silent and when things should have score uh, I don't really feel that way. I think it's more of the fact that when we had it, each episode had its full wall-to-wall soundtrack being released, I was just very hyper aware of the music. Okay, see, at first I kind of felt that way because I felt like the first episode felt like we picked up right where we did in season one. Like it was just music. It was great. It was beautiful. But like think about in, um, well, here, let's talk about it. Uh, November 27th, chapter 13, The Jedi, when Ahsoka is pushing the rock towards Grogu. Why is there no force theme there? 
Like, mm. like it's just very odd choices. I think the whole way down, as far as where the music well, comes in, especially in that Ahsoka episode specifically, it's very quiet. And this has been a constant battle. I mean, I, I, I've used the turn of phrase um, that was kind of summoned by um, the Force Cast slash Rebel Force Radio. Um, their their term of. John Williams' score is the oxygen of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and they there was tons of that in Clone Wars. Like, where where's the score? Where's the themes we know? Yeah. Why is there no score in this part at all? Why is yeah. this new score weird and doesn't feel Star Warsy enough? Like, it's I think these longer format shows. I'm like, you can't read, you can't just pay, cut and paste all the themes from the movies and get enough to cover all this different oh, stuff. That's totally um, fine. And I I think that that Ludwig has done a an insanely good job of giving a new sound that still feels Star Wars to these characters. But I think maybe it's just a matter of the themes that they're working on. Let's put it this way. The parts that have music, I think are far more complex and interesting than season one in many ways, other than maybe the central Mandalore theme. Um, Like, the sequence with the dark troopers releasing in that where they almost had like a, it sounds like a hard drive or a motorcycle spin up yeah. noise mixed in there to get the r- bouncing beat. Mm-hmm. Like I can't wait for volume two to release so I can own yeah. that song. Oh, well good. It's out. It is out now. <laughs> it's out. Yeah. It okay. Came out yesterday. So go for it. Oh, I, it's I great. didn't know. Uh, uh, I will yeah. have to go get that. But like, I let's put it this way to my ear. I didn't, I guess I didn't get caught by a whole lot of like, oh, that seems weird. But now as you mentioned the Ahsoka thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're probably, yeah, there should be. Like Yoda's theme or the Force theme yeah, should be right? tinkling through and, there. And it's just, it's, that episode is where it hit me over the head like a rock. Right. But I've, as I went back and rewatched, I feel like they're, it, it, it the it, middle of the season specifically. It could also like be the directors. Like, because I can understand, like, there's not much music going on in the beginning of the episode when she's taking everyone down. And I can understand why, because oh, you just want to hear the lightsaber turn on and on. Totally, totally, totally. But that could just spell that the director's feeling was they, they're they not, they didn't want it to be score heavy. They want it to be just like when the rock's moving, it just wants it to be like this quiet moment. Yeah. Like that could just be a choice. Um, and, that's, and that's fine. I just think with how good the music was in season one, it felt like an odd choice. That's I, all. Oh. Now I'm going to notice it, so thank you. For well, that. <laughs> watch it again and get back to me, okay? And oh, then, unfortunately, at the end of the month, oh, go wait, ahead. Before we do that, because that's yeah. a downer. I just also yeah. want to say that the VR experience, um, Galaxy uh, Tales from Galaxy's Edge, came out as oh, well. Oh yes, I haven't even had a chance to touch it. What do you um, think about it? It's really great, much like the previous, like Vader Immortal series from ILM X Labs. Yeah. It's really awesome for the amount of time it lasts. And that amount of time it lasts is far less than you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it shows some really great ideas and how eventually X lab will build a game. Like yeah. you can see the bits and bobs coming together, but these are still these experiences. They are still doing things in the star Wars is really cool, but you know, you still don't have like health meters. You still don't have save points. You still don't have a like, a narrative that you're going through straightforward, you know, you are, you are hanging out in Batu and doing a bunch of really cool activities that are stitched together by some cool stories and characters, yeah. but it's still not a, I, for lack of a better term, it's not a full body game. And I don't really expect them from that, from them yet. Gotcha. But again, as someone who's like, just loves doing Star Wars stuff in VR, it was way more of that. And it's X lab. So, well, it may be a little limited, a little more on rails than you want it. 
it's beautiful. They make the most beautiful VR experiences. It's mm, amazing. I cannot wait to try it out. Yeah, no, we, I'm, we'll, I'm we'll talk about it in the year, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. We have Vader Immortal to cover, too, still. And speaking of Vader being immortal, he is not. Um, Oof. Unfortunately, we lost David Prowse. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, well, let's say the body of Darth Vader. Uh, the, uh, the person you all know and love from episodes four through six. Yeah. Uh, he... One of our favorite people, if you've never heard it, it's still one of my favorite things in Star Wars behind the scene information is to hear him deliver the line, you know, Luke, I am your father, which isn't that line. But to hear anytime you hear David Prowse and him delivering all the lines of the suit, it's just charming because <laughs> it's like, yes. oh, yes, we're, we're going to hire a different voice actor. But it's just great. This wonderful Brit guy just inside this giant mechanical suit like he he's he's endearing. Um, and I also say like. As 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 sad as it is to lose him, like had a really good run for a really tall guy. Really tall people have generally more health complications. I know that from family I've had. Like once you get above that, like six two six three, like the body doesn't want to run against gravity that hard. So he had a really really good life for um, someone who you know could have potentially had a lot more health complications. We had a lot of time with him, and I really appreciate that. and brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's get back onto our Mandalorian track here on December 4th. The tragedy, the premiere of the Dark Troopers, uh, Grogu meditating on a rock, the premiere of live action Tython, the return of Slave One to live action. I, yeah. I mean, a big episode. Um, maybe the most. It's the episode that I think. Hmm, how should I put this? It's the episode that I think the action is shot and paced the best mm -hmm. out of all of them. I think all that fighting on the hillside is done really, really well. And I really, really like it a lot. Um, seeing dark troopers brought into action was a ton of fun. Seeing Boba Fett back both in and out of the armor was a ton of fun. Meeting Fennec Shan now as more of a character, ton of fun. Yep. Ming-Na Wen is awesome. And so to have her back and have a little bit more of her, and now we're going to be getting some of her in the Bad Batch as well, by the way. So that's all great. Right. It's, it's um, really good stuff. And I, I think maybe the the most intriguing episode, like the threads they pulled at there, mm -hmm. to me, just maybe it's just well, it's again, interesting. I never thought in a thousand years I'd ever see Dark Troopers in a yeah. Disney filmed property. <laughs> I just never that. thought that would happen. And. And to have Boba Fett come back and have this different flavor than him than we could have conceptualized of what yeah. he would be like in a post-Jedi world. Like, yeah. uh, very, very exciting. And, again, yeah. mystical Jedi stuff. Here's this rock that builds an impenetrable force field of force energy reaching out to the galaxy. On it. I'm on it. That's yeah. great. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the reason why the tragedy is maybe the most interesting episode is not only because it gave us so much back, but yeah. it set the scene for season three. I mean, yes. it's what tips off the events that start the scene yeah, for you season can see three, them... just like episode three, season one, is what started the events for season one. Yeah, you can see them grabbing the handle and pulling it and launching the catapult. We mm -hmm. don't know exactly where the rock's going to land, but it's been launched and the trajectory's going. Yes, absolutely. And when we get to the finale, we'll talk about this a little bit more, of course, but that's how I interpreted it. I think, that's... And that's why I think it's such a great episode. Agreed. All right. Uh, nothing major, you know, more comic releases. 
until we get to December 11th, Chapter 15, The Believer. We talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about Operation Cinder, so we're not going to, or two weeks ago now, geez. So we're not going to talk about it in as great of detail, but the big thing this week was getting to see Din Djarin without his helmet again yep. for only the second time. So the first time Din takes his helmet off, it's out of necessity to save his life, and he's not breaking what he believes is his vow because he's only letting a droid see him. No other living thing, Right. Right. Then this time he's taking his helmet off because without it, the mission will fail and he will not be able to get Grogu back. Right. Right. To see him again, to see, we, we see him shaken in his faith from the second he meets Bo-Katan yep. and they take off their helmet. He's like, what, what, what? Yeah. And they're like, no, we're the other Mandalorians. The ones who don't, aren't religious zealots. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exactly right. We've seen him carved at his belief system as his quest has become personal and his attachment to the child is his own that he is starting to break the way (laughs) because there's something more important to him. He finally has this, uh, for lack of a better term, family that he cares about. So like when this guy is not going (laughs) to, I broke you out of prison and you're not going to go to the coast. I'll do it myself. Well, how are you going to do it? I tried it without the helmet. They're really going to need you to see my face, huh? It's for the kid pop yep, exactly and it's great because not only do we get to see more of pedro not only do yeah. we get a funny moment there with bill burr not only do we get a dramatic and emotional moment you yep. know because you can tell how uncomfortable he is pedro does a great job of playing it that way yeah but we get to see that he has a mustache how fun is that everyone's grown a little more facial hair in quarantine you know mm-hmm. every everyone is. again my more true. thought was the fact of like he never takes the helmet off and that's a pretty well-groomed mustache when does you know, he shave? He I, he must change it up because we'll see not long after this he doesn't have the mustache anymore. Do you think he? Do you think there's just a shaving kit inside the helmet? Like the helmet oh, can shave? Oh, that would be fantastic. There's like a toothbrush built in there. Mm-hmm, you just got to mm-hmm, load up with mm-hmm. toothpaste on the side every couple of, of cycles. You know. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was great, and oh, again, it. continuing the theme of season two, which is the the oh, you think we're going there? We're not going there. Like. The amount of like, oh, this is going to be the setup of a two-part series arc. Like, no, each episode has been this own little encapsulation. Like, I'm so glad they keep not following into the current ways of making TV shows. They know this is not a bingeable show because it's released every week. And so they give you a cathartic, rounded story every week. And I love that. They keep bucking expectations. It's so good. that's what we're enjoying so much. Now, unfortunately, Jeremy Bullock recently passed away, and right. this one is one that has to be brought up because Jeremy Bullock, the original Boba Fett in episode five. Right. Uh, you got to imagine that the new story for Boba Fett is going to be dedicated to him because it's like mm-hmm. it happened right on the eve of this this last episode of Mando, which has got yeah. some great prominence and giving some great nods to our hero Boba Fett, like yes. who's now becoming a hero and becoming this very rounded three-dimensional character he and is. he wouldn't exist if you know because the thing about it is like it's like pedro's story like jeremy bullock was the man inside the armor and just like david prowse like it's easy to go like well he's not the part of boba fett you like like well first off boba fett never talks so it is just like there's so few lines that jeremy bullock is boba fett in yeah. you know for most of our lives and again just the gesture the pantomime the wearing that armor and acting through it yeah like that's what set up boba fett boba fett's the guy who slides in next to darth vader and pulls his gun up like this is the guy who's like firing on the skiff when 
Luke cuts his lightsaber, you know, uses his lightsaber to cut that gun in half. This is the guy who smacks against that side panel of the sail barge and rolls in, into the, the, you know, into yep. the Sarlacc. Like, he is the embodiment of that character. And it was, it was sad to lose him because all the people, the fellowship of people who have portrayed Boba Fett are such a lovely little tight knit group in fandom. Like when they come together and just, they all, I'm so happy for that, for Jeremy Bullock, because what is arguably a bit part in star Wars, right. Is the, the fandom that's, that launched a thousand ships. Like, you know, there's such a love and reverence for this character and it really shouldn't be there by the size of the role, but people just, <laughs> Jeremy Bullock is this silent, cool, super awesome person. And between, you know, the Joe Johnston design of that costume and the way he wore it, it's, it's, it's the most important character in star Wars who shouldn't be important. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. And that's the legacy he'll live with. And, uh, you know, we talked about this the other day personally off the air, but yeah, it's so nice to have him be a character now. Yes. Because it feels like he can really appreciate him now. So good. And it makes that other stuff that he's in better. Agreed. Right. Oh boy. Okay. So the next day we got chapter 16, the rescue boy. We sure did. And it just starts out right away. They're coming out of hyperspace. They're chasing Dr. Pershing. We have that great standoff in the landoff shuttle and the Lambda shuttle cockpit. Where that Imperial officer, yeah. I don't know what he's thinking. He's just like, I want to spit some venom before you obviously will shoot me. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I was a little surprised that we got Dr. Pershing back and he gave us exposition about the dark troopers. But he didn't give us exposition about why they want Grogu's blood. And well, I was so expecting to get that. I feel that one thing you have to keep in mind is like, again, we're getting into more speculative, but like now he's with them. Yeah. At the end of the episode, they still have access to Dr. Pershing, which means that we may get more information about that in the coming season. Or we might uh, not. I, so. I don't know. This this show is so confounding. Yeah, you never like, know. Because at the end of the, the last episode, you're like, oh, no, how are they going to figure this out? Start out. We, Pershing, we found him. Just take his shuttle. We're going to find him, and then we're going to go take it to this guy's doorstep. Yep. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, uh, lesser shows would have a filler episode where they go, how are we going to find Dr. Pershing? Like, no, we, we, we are so good at getting to the good bits. Yes. Um, and, uh, and again, this episode was just chock full of them. It sure was. So they, uh, they capture the doctor. They meet up again with Bo-Katan. Yep. They convince her to help. She says, you let me defeat Gideon and take the dark saber and his ship and we will help. Right. They go, they crash in. We see what a, the light cruiser. We see what uh, like a launch tube is for yes. Tie Fighters. Oh that was my fun. God, it was uh, the Lambda shuttle gets to show up again in a prominent mm -hmm. role twice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like first because we chased it, second because we're using it, um, and then we fight our way through uh, what I think is one of the best sequences of the entire Mandalorian show, which is I love that you have a very episode four. Here's a group of heroes in these desperate, hard firefights just marching their way through killing stormtroopers and surviving all the way. And then over here, we've got, you know, a quiet lone character sneaking their way through the base. Yeah. Like it had that energy of like Han Luke and Leia running away from stormtroopers while Obi-Wan is quietly turning off the trash, yes. you know, the tractor beam, Absolutely. same kind of energy. And it was a beautiful echo for me. Absolutely. And as Bo and team get to the bridge and take control of the ship, 
Din is attempting to stop the Dark Troopers from escaping their bay. He blasts most of them into space, but one gets out. And after a long, drawn-out fight, he is able to destroy it by shoving the Beskar through its neck. How fantastic was that whole so sequence? Good. Oh, my gosh. Seeing the, the sort of evilness in the Dark Troopers' unblinking eyes Ugh. up close as the fire is pouring through it, a la General Grievous. And it, oh, well, especially when he first flamethrower and it just turns its head. I'm like, oh, such Terminator vibes. Oh, for sure. And like you pointed out earlier, the soundtrack for it is great. Oh, so Din good. Uh, gets to the prison where Moff Gideon is holding Grogu with dark saber uh, over top of him. Uh, Moff Gideon tries to basically trick him, saying, "Take him, leave. It's okay. Everything. You know, I have what I need. We can just go our separate ways." And as Din goes to take the child, he takes a swing at him with the Darksaber, and a really fantastic fight ensues. Where I think Gideon kind of forgot of like, oh, oh right, you do have pure Beskar. <laughs> yes. I, I should have aimed for the neck. That's apparently where lightsabers go through Mandalorians. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard from Django anyway. Yes. Um, oh, boy. And, and again... I love the complexity of Gideon. Gideon is, yeah. I like he is that I know more than you. I, you can't defeat me. He's got that arrogant hubris we're used yes. to from a lot of villains, but he's calculating. Like he's not, he's not confident he's always going to win. He's just confident that he has the stuff he needs to be able to win. Yeah. And it makes him different than just a blowhard, you know, arrogant villain. Um, and I like how complex he is because when he says, like, you can just take the child, I have what I need. Like, there's a part of me that goes, like, well, he does. He, he probably could let you go away. Like, that's one plan that there's one trajectory from there that could work. But he's just, he can't, he hates you. And he wants you to get, you know, he wants to stop you because, well, he has what he needs from the child. He could always get more. And, like, there's just this, I, I like, what I'm trying to say is, like, he's a mercurial enough of a character that I could believe that, like, oh, yeah, you walk out of here. If you had done anything aggressive to me, I would have just let you take the child. I'll figure it out later. Like, yeah, um, he's smart. And I really, yeah. really enjoy that. I completely agree. He is such a fun character to watch. And I am so, so happy he made it out of season two so we can see more. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get to see him interrogated by the New Republic sometime soon. That would be fun. Very much looking forward to that. So let's let's get to it. So defeats him, goes to the bridge. Yeah. We've got Gideon in custody. Bo-Katan seems really weirded out by the fact he's holding the Darksaber, and and Din's like, what's the big deal? Here's your stick. And yeah. then Gideon's like, oh, she can't do that. She has to follow the, the traditions. And this is one place where I wish I could see one plussing to this scene that I wish happened. When he's going the whole thing of like, you know, oh, it's it's to, to be the Mandalore, you have to take the Darksaber in combat. So she can only take it from you in combat. And Din's like, I don't care. I'm the religious zealot here and I don't care. Take the, take the stupid sword. Right. Yeah. And there's the part where she goes, you're right. And I'm like, Bo-Katan, we know you're not exactly like standing on tradition. We see you at the end of rebels. Like, yeah, here's this uh, artifact of the Sith war. Take it. There's only one left. Probably, you know, like she doesn't seem like a character. And again, we haven't seen her in a couple of decades. Who knows what's happened? But like, I saw a, an instant where I wish one of her subordinates, one of the other Mandos had said the, he's right. So that it was the pressure on Bo-Katan of like, yeah, see, we have witnesses. I can't just take it. <laughs> I have to say that I, I have to actually earn it now. Like, you know, that there's yeah. no way of getting around this social contract we have on yeah. Mandalore about that sword. Yeah. And I mean, I 
I understand people's gripes here, but they literally do say in the in the episode, it's not the saber that gives power; it's the story. Sure, and, and like if I the said, story, if you know, if if she goes to Mandalore with the dark saber, and someone comes up to her and goes, "Wow, how'd you get that?" and she goes, "Oh, the Mandalorian just gave it to me." Well, but the thing about it is, it's it's the witnesses that make that problem impossible to solve. Yeah. If there were no witnesses, oh, I defeated Moff Gideon. Well, that's not what Gideon says. Ah, he's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> they executed him years ago. Who cares? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, it's, it's such a tiny little quibble, yeah. but it is something that in the moment stuck in my head of like, Bo-Katan, you seem like someone who'd be like, well, we're not breaking the rules. I earned the saber. Look at all these stormtroopers I killed. I earned it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never talk about this. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's fine. Because it well, doesn't matter what happens yeah, here. It doesn't, but it's like our point earlier. It more will come of this. Oh, it's, it's setting not up such over, an interesting you know? little wrinkle for future. Yeah, episodes. yeah, yeah. So this is this is a thread for the future. Now, unfortunately, at this point, the dark troopers land back on the ship, which was such a great moment. Of you know, <laughs> oh, we're just we're being boarded. Oh, how many of them are there? There's none. I, there's oh, no life signs yeah. and it i'm just like so good it was just so happy because when they blew them out of space i'm like but they have rocket boots yep and, <laughs> and they the, sure do and they sure do uh apparently their power lasts at least that long yeah and as they're coming back to the ship they arrive at the bridge they're punching through the blast doors the door is buckling and bending and it's about to break open when all of a sudden a sensor goes off on the bridge and we see a lone <sighs> x-wing just sort of drift into the hangar bay all chill. Now, let me ask you, at what point yeah. did you go, no, I know exactly Oh, I'm already is. crying at this point. Oh, okay. I'm already, like, for me, happy cheering. When I saw the X-Wing, yeah. my first thought is like, yeah. okay, well, since we did what we did in season one, which is bring the band back together at the end of, end of the yeah. show, in a very different way, and I appreciate they did the same trick, but differently. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh, I guess it might be Ahsoka. I'm like, eh, Ahsoka doesn't seem like an X-Wing kind of gal. No, and then you doesn't. see this cloaked figure, and I thought brilliantly, the first time you see that figure walking through the hallways, it's in monochrome. It's on one of the security feeds. So you can't yeah. tell what the color of that lightsaber is, which I really appreciated because yeah. when you see the color of your lightsaber, like, oh, that's probably, and then the next shot is a gloved hand holding yeah. that lightsaber. You're like, oh, we're going there, huh? As soon, so as soon, so I will set the stage. It's like 5.30 in the morning, woke up <laughs> nice and early, just got a brand new pair of wireless headphones to connect to my Apple TV oh. so I could have, you know, over the ear, full surround sound, noise canceling experience. So I'm sitting there at like 6 a.m. We're not getting a Christmas Star Wars movie this year. So this is the big thing, right? I'm trying to be quiet because I know you're sleeping right below me. <laughs> my wife's sleeping the floor above me. So trying to be quiet here. And here I am. And we see this. And I'm like, you can tell just based on the music, something is about to happen. Right. Because it's coming to this crescendo where you're either about to have an action beat or a revelation. Right. And since I'm pretty sure our heroes are not going to defeat the Dark Troopers on their own, right? I know something's about to happen, but what is it, right? And so when you see the X-Wing, when it's, I don't want to say anticlimactic, but when you just see a single X-Wing with the white dome of an astromech coming in. Right. And I'm sure if you stop it, you could probably see it's probably marked still Red 5. It's probably well, still see, here. that I didn't notice. But I'm, you're probably right. Right. But I knew it was a classic style X-Wing. I could see a white astromech in it. And it's... to me, that's enough where I'm like, there's no way. Uh, but well... I'm. But at this point, I'm convinced. 
And then we get into everything that follows. I just, I think the drawdown is great. And then again, once you start seeing him just wreck it, it's like, oh, yep, this is a Jedi and they're cutting through. And I saw someone comment on and, and kind of do a break, shot breakdown that's really like, like, this is the inversion of like Darth Vader's assault on uh, the Tantive oh, Four yeah. in Rogue One. This is the, this is what a Jedi calmly looks like when they're ripping things apart. Oh, be quiet. Because <laughs> um, he's just, he's walking through this hallway and not effortlessly, but in complete confidence and calm. Yeah. Ripping these things apart. Yes. And, the, and the other part was like, as they're going through and like, after he's like sliced one, vivisected it again. Yeah. And I'm just going like, man, droids natural enemy is the Jedi, aren't they? This is like Clone Wars where we're just yeah. like, look, it's an SBD that can take out a complete, you know, platoon of clone troopers and a Jedi just comes up, cuts it in half. <gasps> Absolutely. It is. I mean, you're right. It's so satisfying to see uh, original trilogy era Jedi fight droids. Yep. I mean, first off, that's just, just that alone is satisfying. Seeing the green lightsaber in action is satisfying, right? In a modern context. And then, of course, to have this Jedi who so many fans have been saying they're clamoring for is this era of Luke specifically. This is what they want. So to have this Jedi appear here as the right. Jedi that Grogu called out to or that heard Grogu's message, you know, it makes perfect sense in every single sense of the way. Right. Especially but it's like, well, still... how, do they, well, how do they know he's at the cruiser? The force. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't matter at that point because Luke is showing here in this sort of fight sequence that he is now that omni-powerful Anakin-like figure that everyone knew he'd grow into. And, and frankly, I think what we're going to build towards as we get more content is he was that character in Return of the Jedi. This Luke is only a little bit of a step above where Luke was when he defeated Darth Vader. It's just 1983 special effects and fight choreography well, I don't make it look that way. I think it's partially that, but I think it's also we can kind of interpret that when he doesn't have the emotional baggage of trying to save his dad, yeah. he could have been doing all of this. Yeah. Like, if he actually fought at the Battle of Endor, oh my gosh, <laughs> just Stormtrooper bits everywhere. Um, and I think the last thing that also is, and even there, that calm of like, yeah, th this is a guy who's no longer going like delusions of grandeur. He's a Jedi Knight. Like, no, he is a Jedi Knight and he is only one pupil away from being a master. Yeah. Yes. You know? He's full on night mode and it's so much fun to see. And then, of course, he gets to the bridge. He has handedly dispatched all the dark troopers. Got to point out, too, he uses crates to, like, smash and trap one and then just cuts it down on his way out of the room. He uses the force to just completely crush the last one like a tin can, which was just my favorite moment far and away. Uh, again, because that's very Anakin. And also a nice, uh, yes. <laughs> that's yeah, called Anakin. Say. Yeah. Uh, and, th and that's great. I mean, you know, Darth Vader too, obviously, but you know, that, that's what that felt like to me. Well, it and reminds that was my you of favorite moment when Vader is crushing the surgical yeah. droids at the end of episode yeah. three. Yeah. My, that was my favorite moment from the whole hallway scene. And then, and then, you know, the door opens, he very slowly just hooks his lightsaber very, you know, purposefully. I like that we take a moment and pause on that, hooks the lightsaber back on his belt and removes his hood. We can see here a little bit of, you know, some of the force theme and the Jedi steps are all mixed in here, all this good stuff. And what we have is essentially in episode six, Luke it looks like the same outfit he wore when he entered Jabba's palace. I mean, yep. th this is, this is Luke. This is Jedi Luke, uh, the Luke we meet in Battlefront 2, the story mode 
uh, very, uh, you know, Mac, we were talking about this neutral. Yes. Neutral is the way to describe him. It's not that he's happy or sad. It's not that he's calm or angry. He's just, when he speaks, he's neutral. It's toneless. I think the best way to kind of echo is it reminds me of characterizations of how like Mace Window also has that sort of just flatness to yes. him. Um, and I think it represents that Luke is something, and we'll see this as the stories go on, like he's something more than a Jedi. He is connected to the force and he's probably more in balance than most Jedi were as far as understanding there is a dark side, there's yeah. a light side, there's a balance yeah. to all of this stuff. For many years there was balance. Right. This is that time. This exactly. This is the balance time. And, and we and we see what I I I can't wait to see mm-hmm. this gallery episode when it comes out. Um, oh my gosh. It it to me reads as like it has to be the same tech they rigged up for the flashback we see with Leia Mm -hmm. in Rise of Skywalker. And it's great to see them have that level of tech for a TV show budget. And um, let's just knock the controversy out here real quick. Some people, the effect didn't work for them and it's, it's, it's upset them. Yeah. Awesome. I I agree that they could have been more thoughtful about maybe filming around it, like over his shoulder. There's, there's, yeah. There's a certain amount of pride that you can see in this scene of the effects team going like, look what we did. Um, it's kind of like Tarkin. Tarkin during Rogue One is great and then it's pretty good. And then just uh, maybe I'm seeing this too long and you're making me think about it too much. And this scene I thought was just the perfect amount of brevity enough to yep. that is Luke from this era. Yep. He gets to say what he needs to yep. say. And then he is casually taken yep. out of the scene. And and, and, and he, he really, really worked for me. Yeah. He uh, Here's what I'll say for me. Until we were about at his second line of dialogue, I was convinced this was an unknown actor who I didn't know. A recast. Yes. And when I realized we were back into Rogue One territory, I was a little disappointed, but only for, not for the fact of, oh, I don't feel like this looks passable to me or that I didn't enjoy it because I did. And I, I felt this at Rogue One. We talked about it a little bit and I'll reiterate now here is. Does anybody remember, like, the mask? Does anybody remember what CGI looked like? Because I sure do. Sure. And it looks amazing now. So, frankly, I don't understand how we can watch Rogue One and see, you know, Leia at the end and say, that looks terrible. Maybe those are, like, 14-year-olds who didn't see CGI in 1999. But... Well, I think the thing about... I don't know, like, you know... Like, I just don't understand that complaint. I'll succinctly place this. Uh, we talked about this a little bit off air. It's one of those things of the problem with CGI is because it's not physical, it's not optical, as we say in the biz, right? It didn't actually exist. You were recreating in yeah. a computer. You were telling it where the light is. You're telling it yeah. where the light scatters. You're telling it where what the material is made of. You have to define all of that. And defining reality is impossible. Yes. So what you're doing is you're defining enough of reality that it looks right. Yes. And that is a sliding scale. That is why scenes like, um, you know, like that's why Jabba the Hutt has never looked quite right in CGI because you can't replace an 800 pound thing of latex. (laughs) And sure, it doesn't move as smoothly as CGI. It's way more expensive than CGI. It breaks all the time. But all the light, all the physicality was in the scene and it makes it real in a way that we as human beings can just tell. Yeah. And so... The problem with CGI is it is a sliding scale. Yes, if you're watching, like I do, Mortal Kombat from 1996 and you see this little vomit of color on the screen and they say, that's a creature. And you're like, I guess. In 1996, I thought that was amazing. It was mind-blowing. How's that thing there? Because it's not actually there. And at the same time, 
you know, we just saw um, Avengers Endgame, and I and you know, one of the big compliments is how much Thanos emotes, how much the actor performance comes through that, mm-hmm. and it's like, yes. And ten years from now, we'll go. It looks okay because Davy Jones in the Pirates movies was yeah. next generation of emoting through a character, and now it looks a little rough because. It's but not... see, does it? Because I don't think it does. I guess that's well, what I'm saying. Is no, that still looks great. Well, the problem because is it's the art style of that time. Here's the thing: we are asking for something that we always ask of our audiences, yeah. which is the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Right. We have to remember, you and I wink and nod each other. Of this is pretend. Yeah. And we accept that we're going to take these stories as seriously happened, even yes. if no lights, light doesn't just go out so far. The lightsaber shouldn't be able to stop. Like physics tells me that, but I'm willing to suspend my disbelief of that nonsense yeah. because the story is so good. Right. Yeah. And I think for some people, them knowing Mark Hamill is an older man and cannot be this man. Yeah. That is enough to yank them out of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. And, and the problem with suspension of disbelief, it's it's different for every person. Yeah. Some people, like my best friend, doesn't really like watching action movies because he says they're really unrealistic. If a guy took that, he would get shock. He would die. <laughs> There's, he, he would have concussions. He would have gone unconscious. There's all these things in action movies we wink and nod of like, but yeah, he's indestructible because yeah. the movie's better that way. Yeah. And I look at him the same way with rom-coms, which I find exhaustingly non-realistic, right? So it's a sliding scale. So I'm not going to badmouth anyone who doesn't, who that took him out of the scene, but to let it ruin such a great moment and a show for you, I don't know how your suspension of disbelief, yeah, maybe you hit a speed bump. Yeah. Like I think the shuttle Tidier, the shuttle Tidier, the Lambda shuttle crashing in this had a little bit of like, they're working at home, aren't they? Right? Like, there's just a little rough edge to the texturing and the reflectivity yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take me out yeah. of the story. It just, moments, it's something I note. Yeah, those moments can happen in anything, you know, whether it's Star Wars or not. Like, there's a moment in the siege where you can very clearly tell when it's those two repairmen who walk over to the Razor Crest right after he lands that they're standing against the volume. Like, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look real. Right. But right. that's okay. It's that one moment and then we're past it. it. To me, it's it's to me like when you see stuff like that, as long as the CGI was done well, which it is in all of this show, yeah. it is just one of the things like when someone does a turn of phrase yeah. that says, I don't see that character saying yeah. that. You should squint a little bit and then move on. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think the brevity of Luke's scene here makes... Yes, if I really wanted to hide it more, I can think as a filmmaker yeah. some ways of like, again, behind the shoulder, insert shots to kind of get around it. But at the end of the day, like, it's perfectly fine for what it did. Well, and that's all well and fine and good. And like, absolutely, I you know, we're on the same page here of both saying we really liked it a lot. But yeah. like... You just want people to appreciate the fact of like, you need to understand yeah. how far we come. This is photorealistic. Yeah, I guess... If you're going to also complain if we recast the character. And that's the... Because it does feel like that Venn diagram is a circle. I agree with you that. The, the, so yeah. what do you want, I guess, to be happy? I, well, I think the answer is they don't want to be happy. Well, I think they, it's partially that, and I think it's partially also they just want their childhood to have been the one, right? Because at the end of the day, like, let's be honest, you and I both know someday, hopefully not soon... <laughs> Mark Hamill will not be with us yeah. and we'll, and we'll still want to tell stories of Luke because Luke is immortal, Yeah, you know, and we're going to get to a point of recasting it. And I think the answer, like, I just think that should have happened today. But look at it. That look should at, have happened now. We'll talk about this next of how excited we are about a Lando series, but like, look how, who's complaining about Lando? No one. Like, and there aren't a lot of people complaining about Alden either right. after Solo. So, so it works. It works. So, That's, yes, so it works. 
we we this Luke and Tarkin and Leia that we've seen in these digital recreations, like we did what you asked and yeah. you didn't like it. Yeah. So if we do the other thing, you're not going to like yeah. it. Like to your point of like, yeah. do you just want to not like Star Wars? Do you yeah. just want to think that y- your vision of Star Wars is better than other people? Like, yeah. you know, I don't like Rogue One. Yeah. But it's part of Star Wars. I'm excited about yeah. the Andor series, maybe re- rehabilitating that character for me. Star Wars is great. I want all of it for all people. And it's not going to be a surprise that as Star Wars gets bigger and crosses more boundaries and more properties, there's going to be some Star Wars that's not for you. Absolutely. But right now, Mac, I'd like to turn the page because that is Let's the end it. of what we, well, most of what we see for The Mandalorian uh, for this year. There is one more little snippet we're going to talk about here in one quick second. But before we get to that, we did take to Twitter a few days ago to ask if anybody had anything they wanted us to discuss this year. And since you're talking about, uh, you know, looking forward to things in the future, let's talk a little bit about uh, this year and some of the things we enjoyed the most rather than some of the things that grinded our gears a little bit. Let's end on the positives. Yeah. So, Mac, uh, Holly Hooligan, you know, we've we've spoken with him before a little bit. Uh, but he asks us, and I'm going to just kind of read these off one at a time, uh, so that way we can answer sure. each individually. What was your favorite book of 2020? Do you have a favorite book? Um, It feels like a year where we didn't get a lot, because a lot was delayed. So what do we have? We have, uh, from a certain point of view, Empire. We have Thrawn Ascendancy. We have mm-hmm. Queen's Peril. We have Shadowfall. Yep. Feels like I'm missing some. Um, well, I know, uh, Dark Legends. Now, this may just because it's the most recent book I've read, but like, I really like the Traveler's Guide to Batu. Like, oh, it's, yes. it's warmed my heart and made me very excited about what I get to yeah. go, especially because I can say, like, you know, um, rising moons and uh, yeah. all these other stupid catchphrases when I go to this place. Uh, so I really enjoyed that, but I, I, I gotta be honest, I'm not even done with it, but like, how can it be anything other than certain point of view? Yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah. our like, it's been our unofficial Bible here at um, yeah. Star Wars All In. And it has not, it has yet to disappoint me. It is that first one, but even better. And about a movie that I probably have a more personal connection yeah. with. Man, I mean, how could it not be, right? Like, how could it not be? Um, I will say, since I haven't finished Thrawn Ascendancy, yeah. uh, you know, TBD. Well, let's just put the little but, asterisk on it. The Traveler's Guide to Batuu is my favorite book I finished this year. Yes, yes. And I'm pretty sure that when I look back on 2020, I'll be like, well, that was a terrible year, but man, that Empire book's really <laughs> good. Uh, yes. Okay, for me, it's very much Queen's Peril. Uh, as okay. far as all of the canonical books uh, that you know came out this year, but yeah, from a certain point of view, Empire will be the one that I will have the rosiest view of uh, going out of 2020 for sure, especially once I finish it, mm-hmm. because I know there's only good stuff to come. Uh, I'm only about four tenths of the way through it, you know, just <laughs> to just to give everybody an idea. Um, but great, but man, it was good. But I can't shout enough queens about enough good about Queen's Peril. So absolutely check that out. And then a follow-up to that, yeah. what was your favorite part of From a Certain Point of View, Empire Strikes Back? And it's hard for us to say because we haven't finished it, but so far, so far, out yeah. of where I am, um, I really, really enjoyed Dak's story. Okay. Dak Jensen, yep. Uh, no, Dak Ralter. Ralter? No, no, J- yeah, Jensen's yeah Wedge's pilot. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I, sorry wow, we sorry. had a moment no, of no, like no. looking at each other. It's just going to be one of those days, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
And I really like The Naturalist on Hoth. That's a very good Which one. was a fun one about a guy who just decides, like, the Empire won't find me. The Wampas won't find me. The, the Rebellion won't find me. I'm just going to go live in the ice caves. I'm, love, I'm in love with this ecosystem, and yeah. I can't walk away from it. I need to keep studying it. I really, really like that one a lot. Uh, I have to admit, it's very <laughs> odd. So I'm consuming this through the audiobook. Um, yeah. Last time I read Certain Point of View, and then I eventually listened to the audiobook version of it. I've been kind of doing that in reverse. Yeah. That like a year from now, I'll probably read Certain Point of View again, yeah. but read it. So from that perspective, and this is only because of the voice... A Wampa story <laughs> was amazing because yeah. Star Wars voice actor extraordinaire Sam Whitmer <laughs> yeah. just brings so much anger and frustration and primal energy to the story of a Wampa. It was so, <laughs> it caught me so off guard. It's so well performed and it just makes this such a visceral impression of how like, oh, awesome rough place and these wampas are just eking out an existence it's really tough and Sam Wimmer is just like when when his arm gets cut off like the seething heat and pain ran oh, through like just this gritting through book. his teeth like it's so good I need to do this audiobook so so bad oh boy um okay uh, so that's what I would say for that that I totally get it um we'll get back to you Holly on uh when we finish final impressions, but our first impressions yeah. are there because I'm sure we'll do a topic on it here in the first part of 2021. Uh, do you have a favorite game or toy from 2020 Mac, a favorite release? Uh, for me, it was squadrons. Like as sure. far as game goes, like squadrons was so great as far as like giving me yeah. that star Wars experience, yeah. like sitting in the cockpit playing X wing back in like 94 this yeah. is what my brain thought I was seeing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, totally, totally. Uh, I'm glad you were able to enjoy it so much. I do want to play some more Squadrons. Uh, I definitely put more time into Racer this yeah. year. Um, but I will play good. some more Squadrons. There wasn't any other really games besides like board games and mobile games. Oh, you know a bad year for, for board games. I, I haven't play played it, but uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 just got a release on iOS. Oh, that's great. So if you want to play Knights of the Old Republic 2, uh, you can now play a very modern, yeah. you know, modern control, easy to access version. I think the best way to talk about the Knights of the Republic, they're a little rough. They're old games now. You know, they're 15 years old or in the case of two, what would that be? 13 years old or whatever. Um, but the stories are still really good. The voice acting, the writing, that all is still great. And you, yeah. if you've not treated yourself to knowing the character of HK-47, you really deserve to do that. <laughs> Yes. Yes, you do. Um, especially after watching Mandalorian this year. Um, <laughs> boy, I mean, favorite toy is a tough one because it was a big year. I really like the Mandalorian Super Commando figure. Uh, I mean, so for cool. me, it's all about the different Black Series figures, of course. right? Uh, so the Mandalorian Super Commando figure, Walmart exclusive from the final arc of the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. so, you know, the red and green kind of Gar Saxon with the horns. Right. Uh, great figure. Sure. Honestly, though, out of every figure I got this year, um, being the 40th anniversary of Empire, I feel like I have to go with a 40th anniversary Empire figure. And I feel like that is the Luke and Yoda Dagobah training deluxe two pack. Okay. Which you can get on sale all the time. It seems like it's always on sale. So if you want it, but the detail on the new Yoda comes with two different head sculpts, eyes closed and eyes open. Mm -hmm. And it comes That's with nice. the backpack, you know, and it's the sleeveless Luke kind of wet in the mud. <laughs> 
Uh, but just the Yoda compared to the original Black Series Yoda and compared to the Ghost Force Ghost Yoda Black Series figure is just, it's a better scale, it's better detail, it's better colors, it's better material, and it's just so nice to have such a great screen-accurate Yoda in the Black Series line. Um, and also the Zebaralius figure we got this year in Black Series. Pretty good. That was like the last Rebels figure we're waiting on besides like Adult Ezra and, uh, you know, Blind Kanan. Uh, we haven't gotten those Other than yet. variants, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like that is like the last big one we were waiting on, and he's gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> also, first figure I got, uh, shout out to the new Black Series packaging. Oh. Uh, he was the first one I got this year in the new packaging. Um, I, yeah, I would say it's probably that Luke and Yoda Dagobah training, just because that's so much fun. Uh, shout out to the Imperial Probe Droid Black Series figure. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Oh, shout out to the Snowspeeder, too, though. Yeah. Oh, the Snowspeeder came out this year. Man. Big year for toys. It was a big year, and we also got some love for the prequel figures this year. That feels like that was so long ago, but lots of great clone troopers now. We got, um, if it hasn't already, there's a re-release of Rex coming out. Um, You know, Bly and Fox were this year. Uh, Reprint of Gree this year. So lots and lots of great uh, they're doing Cody, I think, in the archive wow. series if they haven't already. So lots of love for clones this year. I think as far as physical things I can do, because like I saved all my pennies to go to Celebration, and yeah. I was going to spend a lot at Disneyland um, buying lightsabers and such. I think realistically, the only thing I can say, and and it's little, but like I was very charmed by it. Like I now own three copies of Sabacc, and that makes me really happy. <laughs> I have the Han Solo tie-in yeah. game that came out when Solo came out, but this year... A friend uh, smuggled me Sabak from Galaxy's Edge, which was great. And then most importantly, like fun little thing is uh, Target had that great, you know, imported from Black Spire mm-hmm. kind of run where they were doing some of the stuff that was inspired by or was originally only available on Batu. And I have the Sabak playing cards that are cut like the hexagons of Sabak, but they're our standard normal, um, you know, 52 card deck. And yeah. uh that just makes me happy. Just it, yeah. the, it, the fact it exists and I own it just makes me happy. Yes, 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 yes. Um, man, Sabak is a good one. Yeah. All right, I love it. All right, one more final question from Holly. Do you have a favorite topic we did this year, or any that jump out at you? Oh, I feel like this is cheating, but like our May the Fourth special of Mortis is. I think some of the best podcasting we have ever done. Oh, man, our May the 4th special was really good. I was going to say, so I had two. Okay. Uh, our Rise of Kylo Ren was retrospective. Good. I really, really liked that one where we talked about all four issues of the Rise of Kylo Ren. The Mortis trilogy breakdown was really fun for our May the 4th special. And I had a lot of fun with our April Fool's episode this year. Oh my gosh, that was this year. That was this year, I know. Well, that also was like months of planning. So like uh-huh. I had some of those files living in living with me way before April. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> we definitely recorded most of that pre-quarantine from my memory. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. You're right. Uh, I, I did uh, but really that. But that. that was a ton of fun, too. <laughs> so we, we really had, we had some great times this year recording some different episodes. Um you know, I, it's so hard to like pick a favorite. I don't know. I mean, you know what? I actually had a really a ton of fun talking about just because I really connected with the character this year on a way I hadn't in the past three years. But Jin or so mm. we, we covered Jin in episode 30, which was back in March. Yep. Um, and, you know, we talked about it before, but one of my favorite things about Star Wars this year was coming to terms with what Rogue One is. And as much as sure. I don't like Rogue One as a standalone movie. 
uh, Rogue One, the story of it, and more importantly, the story of Jin, when you take into account Catalyst and Rebel Rising, is a unbelievably entertaining and fun and enjoyable multimedia Star Wars project. Mm-hmm. And I think if they had just marketed it that way, it would have been great. I, but yeah, the Rogue One movie, when you have cardboard characters, is you know, it just doesn't work. Well, that's work the whole me. thing that's nice about Rogue One is it, you and I both complain about the lack of meaningful character arcs yeah. and the lack and the suppressed feel of some of those characters. Yeah. The great thing is the supplemental material yes. keeps fleshing them out, yes. widening them up, th- making them yes. more three dimensional. Yes. And that's why I said, like, I haven't watched Rogue One since it yeah. made me really upset. Um, yeah. And so I'm looking forward to watching the Andor series and seeing if that yeah. rehabilitates that character because I think if that works well, I, I'll have it in my heart <laughs> to give Rogue One a second chance. Oh, and, you know, as much as I have come to terms with loving Jin this year, I am so looking forward to what the future of Star Wars holds, including the Andor series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, The Bad Batch, The Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian Season 3, The Alkalite, A Droid Story, Lando... <laughs> And every other one that I am forgetting. Plus, in just a few weeks, The High Republic. It's coming soon. It's coming so soon. So stick around with us for next week. As we close the book on season two, we are so excited to get started on season three and see what 2021 brings us. But that's a story for later because I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. May the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.